Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Howdy! Hello. Wow. Remember last episode when we said we had no idea what the world was going to look like uh, next time we recorded? Well, now we know. We know as of five minutes ago. Everything's uh, coming up daisies right now. My heart is racing really fast. And I was like, wait, shit, I have to get on Zoom and like talk to Em right now. Um, Also, we like when we say we now know the results, what we mean is last time we talked to you, we were like, we have no idea because election day is about to happen. And now we just found out at least i just found out five minutes ago so like this is happening in real time as everyone's finding out what the results were yeah blaze told me like an hour ago about ap announcing it and i are calling it and i was like okay but nobody's tweeting about it yet so Uh i don't want to like commit to my (laughs) emotional state you know um but then five minutes ago like all the news came to my phone at once and i was like okay we can all just like tweet about it now i I was i was like getting ready to record or I was driving over to the studio and I was like, I'm not even going to check my phone this morning because the last three mornings I've just been so disappointed wondering when I'm going to find out. And the second, I, the day I decided not to check was when I was like, oh, I'm just going to like, what time, what time am I at? And ev- all these texts are coming in. So very <laughs> See, exciting. I'm, I'm, I have been, yeah, not sleeping. It's just been a rough, I mean, everyone else knows it too. It's been a rough week. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of things just went put on hold. I mean, that's probably just, not for everybody, obviously, but I feel I like for us, I'd agree. I would agree. Things yeah. just were kind of quiet on the work end, and I just feel like John King from CNN was just like playing through my dreams <laughs> constantly. It was just oh uh, my goodness, just sitting in wait to figure Seriously. out what my fate was. So, and I was just saying how like I'm truly the most impatient person I've ever met, and I was like, is this you're trying to like teach me something? Because I can't promise I'll learn it, but I get it. I get the hit. It's been a long, a long anyway. Week. I'm very happy. Uh, I assume you are also very happy. Actually, I'm pissed, Em. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have yeah. we never discussed our political views? <laughs> My favorite is when people, we literally just posted, like, go vote. And everyone was like, 
your veiled political opinion. First of all, I was like, we just said go vote. Okay. Yeah, but second exactly. of all, I'm like, it's not veiled. We're pretty fucking clear. Not even. We're, we said register to vote. We said you register. It was register to vote. Go exactly. register to vote. And everyone was like, know your place. You're to entertain us. And okay. Like, yeah. So okay, this one woman that. literally said, sit down. And I was, this is your job to entertain me. And I went, woof. Okay. There's a like, lot of problems with that. I was that. like, please just, please don't listen to us anymore. Okay. Anyway, it's not veiled. <laughs> we're, we feel, I feel like a little tiny gleam of hope has we're, entered the room. Yeah. We're on the side of like more human rights. So mm-hmm. um, I hope that doesn't upset you. If it does, good for you. Uh, kindly you can walk go away. see my tweet and I it, it uh, applies to you as well. Which exactly. Just says bye, bitch. Um, <laughs> anyway, I also have a new update M, that you already know, but that's a big news. Big news. Big news. What is it? What is it? There is a new furry member of the And That's Why We Drink family. Finally, we can talk about it. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Wait, do I, is, is, do I get to meet? Well, so he's kind of running around the house. Okay, we got another kitten, everybody. And (laughs) he's very sweet. And it was a very quick decision. It wasn't like I've been, you know, I don't make make long decisions. I was going to say, I thought you were about to say, I don't make quick decisions. And I was like, <laughs> you're such a liar. It's so bad. Like, I'm, as I said, I'm very impatient. And so Blaze and I went on that like murder c- cabin trip, remember, for our anniversary. And while we were there. That's a great way to start. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how most of my decisions start. Right. And uh, <laughs> Blaze and I were there, and my mom and sister were watching Juniper. And I was just like, he seems like my mom was like, yeah, he's kind of like, moping around and i was like we should get him a little friend or somebody so that when we leave town with geo or put geo in daycare like he has another cat friend i mean now juniper saying i did not ask for this so sure. i don't know well, why you've you know done what? this it's it's his turn because geo certainly said i did not ask for this when juniper got there so oh my, that's exactly we're true. just yeah. it's a full circle now but also yeah. you i know i don't mean to cut you off but i know no, no. you have been telling me literally since you got juniper that Blaze was like kind of hinting that he wanted another cat. So yeah, he wanted another dog. So I compromised and uh-huh. I was like, that's a lot of a lot right now. Um, mm-hmm. And not that cats aren't a lot. But yeah, you're right. Like he wanted. And so the second I decided it and I was like, let's do it now. He was like, OK. Um, <laughs> he actually literally just texted me and said this. So he has a cold. Um, oh, um, the cat or Blaze? The cat. <laughs> the oh, cat. OK. <laughs> Uh, so he's bringing So he sniffles a lot, but he's oh. bringing him up for in case you want to see him. I do. Um, but yeah, so basically his name is Mooney. And the reason th- is that we wanted a Kentucky name. Okay, by the way, I live in northern Kentucky. Also surprise. People <laughs> Except not really. Not, Except really. not really. Which is five minutes from Cincinnati. So technically, clear, right? you are walking distance from Cincinnati. Yeah, from downtown. So people got very confused as if I moved again, whatever. So we wanted a Kentucky name. So we decided to name him Moonshine, Mooney for short. Then we realized it rhymed with Junie. Then we were like, I guess it's stuck now. And then we found out that the cat's name was Sirius, uh, like Sirius Black. And uh-huh. so it's another Harry Potter name. So nice. um, anyway, he's very sweet. He has a cold. They found him behind a dumpster at a bar, um, which, uh, as Em said, seems pretty fitting on both counts for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was he had a little cold. He didn't have a mommy or any siblings. And he was just there by himself. And he was really sick and was like covered in fleas and like was missing his fur. So, of course, I read this and I was like, this is my cat. I need to save him. So you, um, so it's Mooney and Junie. Mooney and Junie. Yeah. Is that on and purpose? He's, and he's uh, no, it wasn't because we said moonshine, and then I was like, oh god, they rhyme. Um, and he's all black. Okay, hold on. Here he is. Also, hi, Blaze. He can't hear me, but. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Oh, he's so itty bitty. Put on my headphones. Oh. <laughs> Oh, 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 okay. 
Here he is. He's an anxious little one. Oh, he's just so very squirrely. Um, and so baby. he's all black. So okay. Um, he's really chaotic, <laughs> and he likes to climb things. And he and Gio are currently kissing. Aw, the exact invert of Junie. Just like it looks truly. Like- <laughs> Just like if you if you did a color like complete invert yeah, on yeah. the computer. Once the kitty's bigger, they're gonna look like complete opposites. Um, but anyway, so he has sniffles, so he's probably just gonna run around here. But anyway, sorry, that's my that's my news of the of the day. Um, I was nervous. I was gonna say we have a new member of the family, but then I remembered that when we did this when I moved, and you uh-huh. were like, we have huge news, and then we didn't say it for like fifteen minutes, and people had like. That was on me. I, I pulled a Michael Scott on everyone. But you know what? I don't, I don't regret it either because we both no, know <laughs> I'm theatric as fuck. So Yeah, we needed everyone to turn up theatrical. the volume and not skip ahead. Um, yeah, so, I needed it. I did it for the dramatic flair. And you know what? I, it worked. I stand by it. So Yeah, yeah. Anyway, welcome. I am a little upset because we, Allison and I, had narrowed our hypothetical dog <gasps> names down to Moon Pie Oh, so, I forgot about that. So well, this, that still works. This is Moonshine be... and Moon Pie. That would be cute. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, we didn't plan that, but maybe we should I pretend like we did. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to steal your name. I just I didn't even think about that. It's no, no, no. We're gonna we're gonna tell every, everyone who's listening to this right now. You didn't hear this conversation later mm-hmm. when we say we planned this on purpose. You're gonna smile and nod. Yes. Um, and it was M's inspiration. Let's let's say that. Sure. I'm not gonna. Not Bye, Mooney. Oh, and hi, Blaze, also. And also hi, Blaze. Anyway, <sighs> sorry for that chaos. Um, do, I only have one more thing. Do you have anything else to say? No. I don't want to like, keep... Is the thing that you're going to say the thing that we're both announcing? Oh, no. Do you want to say that one first? Uh, sure. Uh, so we have found uh, our way back to Cameo. <laughs> we uh, can't stay away. For a long time. So people... People for a long time have been asking why we left Cameo or how come we're no longer, you know, why Mm -hmm. we weren't offering videos. And it has been just a logistical issue on our end where because we are, Christine and I are now in a long distance relationship. And (laughs) we wanted, uh, you know, to do Cameo together as one unit. And so we could only make Cameo videos whenever Christine was in town. But Cameo... On our end, if let's say you request one from us, we only have seven days to fulfill it. And so sometimes Christine wasn't going to be here for a whole month. And so it just was never, it was weird. Like, do we turn it off except for the one week where Christine's in town? And so it was just kind of confusing. But we've been talking to the Cameo people and we are now going to have separate Cameo accounts just to make things more accessible to you, even though we won't be, quote, a package deal in your video. At least now you will have access to videos from us to one or both of us yes yeah uh we did it that way because people were you know saying like hey we want like a message for someone so-and-so's birthday or you know whatever what whatever uh and so now i guess our podcast page is going to link to both of our separate accounts which Mm -hmm. i mean obviously it looks like we broke up and we like created separate accounts (laughs) but (laughs) we did (laughs) maybe we Uh, just do like like veiled insults at each other on our cameo of like her and her her and her cats and then me and my theatrics (laughs) actually that would be really fun yeah so we apologize i know like most people obviously would want it you know and we would want it prefer it together but um it just wasn't feasible, but we are, yeah. you know, brainstorming. So hopefully we can figure something out. Yeah. Um, We've thought of ways of like, what if I, what if we 
FaceTime, like, and then, like, upload it, but that didn't work out. Like We it, tried that, yeah, but then I had to, like, go on, I had to, like, download Premiere and, like, res- resize the video. It was just Every video took, like, an hour to edit. Yeah. <laughs> so it just got really wild. So this is, unfortunately, uh, the only way we can do it, but fortunate enough that we can do it at all. So yes. Exactly. So that's that. And then um, the last thing I wanted to say, which actually this is sent in by a listener and it just like warmed my soul. And speaking of, you know, a new kitty, um, this is an email from Justin who uh, I might cry. I'm sorry. This just makes me very emotional. Um, Okay. Uh Oh, where's the they're there. Calm down. They're there. It's fine. Uh Joe Biden's president. (laughs) Joe Biden's president. Oh, that's weird. President-elect, <laughs> technically, President- okay. but close. Look, um, I don't know where the page went. Oh, well, I'm just going to read this part. So Justin wrote in and said, um, I'm a, and that's why I drink longtime listener, semi-recent Patreon donor, and first-time writing. I have a resource to share with you because I've appreciated how you've given listeners access to safety resources when you tell particularly relevant stories. Oh. Domestic violence comes up a lot with true crime, and I know you've seen before that animals are not excluded from this equation. I thought you might like to know that there are services for animal survivors of domestic violence as well. He says, I work for, I think it's called Ahimsa House or Ahimsa House, uh, which is a nonprofit based in Georgia that provides assistance for animal survivors of domestic violence. There's lots of programs across the country as well as internationally. A lot of time people don't realize that only around 12% of domestic violence shelters are able to help house pets, but over 60% of U.S. households have pets. Um, so 50% of victims will delay seeking safety due to fear for the safety of their pet, which it's just something like you don't even think about necessarily, but then all mm. of a sudden it's like, holy shit, of course, like you wouldn't want Or even wanna... like if the animal isn't, I mean, this is kind of a sidestep, but even if the animals aren't being, uh, mistreated, but if you're being mistreated, but they're going to keep your, the pet from you, oh, that, like, yeah, that's stay what it, for the pet, right? Yeah. That's what they're saying. Like, if you're not sure where the pet you know, where your pet's going to go, or if you're, right, if you're not okay. able to take your pet to the shelter, then obviously like you're going to not want to leave them behind. Right. right, right exactly. Right, right. So that's, that's true. Like not even necessarily if, you know, the pet is being abused, but if, if you have to leave the pet behind to seek safety. Right. Um, so that's, I just thought that was really cool. And he said, everyone is affected when there's domestic violence, including the pets as an animal lover. I thought you might appreciate knowing that survivors can find info about local pet-friendly domestic violence shelters and resources through safeplaceforpets.org. So, and there's Gia's bark. With a little uh, (laughs) signature of approval there. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I thought that was really cool. And he says over 90% of the pets we assist are able to go back home with their families at the end of their time with us. Um, So I just, thank you, Justin. Um, Thank you. Oh, shoot. I wish I had looked up how to say it. Ahimsa or Ahimsa House. A-H-I-M-S-A. Um, and that was just really touching. And, uh, he also included a story that I meant to print, but it's, it's kind of long. So I'll probably just leave it at that. But he printed a story of like a case, um, you know, where a woman was, uh, had this situation happen and they were able to foster the dog and the, her abuser was trying to get custody of the dog. Um, and since the dog was microchipped under his name, it was really difficult for her to say like, no, I want to take, you know, my dog. So they worked really hard to like give her resources and legal aid and like, you know, she was able to get full custody of her dog back. And so it was just a really touching story. So and it's something you know, don't really think about. Um, also, I've certainly never thought about like, you know, the legalities of like whose name is on the microchip for custody cases. Yeah. That's Isn't that such wild? a specific thing. But uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So well, thank you, Justin. 
I know. Thanks, Justin. That was really uh, cool. And I'm just appreciative that you reached out and let me share that on the podcast. So yeah, good resource to have. Lots of announcements today, huh? God, they're endless, truly. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, shall we? That's it. That's it on my end. I'm done, like, just, you know, throwing up words all over you. I love your mug. Tell everyone about that. I keep meaning to mention that, too. This, I I like how I just said, I'm done talking. Here's my mug. (laughs) (laughs) There's paper on the bottom of it. This is my Mothman mug from M. It's little pastel Mothmen. Moth people? I I don't know. All I know is I saw it. I I'm sure I saw it on Redbubble. That's where I get most of your Mothman stuff. And I I think this is a um a look human purchase. Oh, I'm sure. you're right. It is look human because the design I've seen on there. And every time I see it, I'm like, should I buy more of the Mothman design? <laughs> um, I think I saw that and I screamed. I was like, there's literally I think nothing it, yeah. I've ever seen that's more Christine <laughs> in my entire life. And like, it's and so cute. What's funny is I think we probably have mentioned this before on the show, but Christine, Eva, and I have all uh many times said like we cannot buy any more mugs like this is yes yeah, yeah. it's disgusting <laughs> it's when a you, rule when yeah. you add up all the mugs that we have combined we have enough for the entire nation i'm sure yeah. and then every christmas or birthday i'm like they need a fucking mug <laughs> yeah uh, actually this particular birthday you gave me two mugs at one time and i was like and you you not only like broke the rule by accident you like broke the rule and then went well it's like sorry. i no it's okay no worries. But no, I, I saw, you're correct. I saw one uh, mug and then I was like, huh. And then I saw two mugs and I was like, well, I know you, the rule, but I'm going to quickly step right yeah, over it. You already, line. you're very, it was very like Emma and Christine move. You already crossed the line. So you were like, I might as well go like as hard I as like, I can. I want to see how tiny I can make it on the other side. I just want to walk <laughs> as far away as possible. What was the yeah. other mug? Um, I'm trying to remember. It's somewhere. I think it's, I th- I'm trying to remember. It's one of the mugs. It's like Not a, to put you on the spot. No, no. It's, I think it's another like cryptid type mug. I think it was like, but also from Look Human. Um, it, who cares? It was probably unnecessary, but also I just, wildly I was, essential. Wildly essential. And look, I use it. So it's a Mothman mug. It's excellent. It's my favorite thing. If you'd like to look like Christine when you drink your coffee, go to Look Human. Uh, this They did not pay us to uh, shout them out, but they are the first place I look for gifts for Christine. So They have some great stuff. You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind? Especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things, but Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code DRINK. 
Daylight saving time is starting up again. It may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com drink. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay, so uh, this is part two today of Werewolves on my oh, yeah. end. Um, I At the end of the last episode, I gave you a smattering, if you will, which is just a word I either love or hate, can't figure out. Yeah. Um, a smattering of werewolf uh, stories specifically from the age of the werewolf trials. Um, right. Just to kind of you know tease you into this week. So let me now tell you what the werewolf trials were. Fantastic. So the werewolf trials, they occurred throughout Europe from the, 15, uh, the 15th to the 18th century. And it was uh, people were on trial. They were being accused of that word. I don't know if I pronounced lycanthropy. Yes. Yeah, so I just heard an episode of Lore where he talked about that a little bit. Oh, perfect. Is it pronounced lycanthropy? And he said lycanthropy. Yes. Excellent. Well, I'm going to trust Lore. Um, so, yeah, they were being accused of lycanthropy, which is turning into a werewolf. Um and at least in this sense, I think now in like more modern psychology, there's clinical lycanthropy, which is mm. more of a delusion of turning into a werewolf, not actually shape-shifting into one, uh, I think. Depending and- on who you ask, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> if you ask me, uh, I'm going to say turning into a werewolf is very valid. <laughs> I um, agree. So, uh, so, yeah, so that's what they were being accused for. This started originally in Switzerland, but uh, it then moved into mainly France and Germany, um, and the Balkans. And uh, so peasants at the time were still practicing a lot of paganism uh, throughout Europe. And I guess they were regularly being accused of casting spells on other people. Um, oh so if something wasn't going your way, you could blame the peasants for casting a spell on you because one of them practiced witchcraft in your town. Yeah, and I mean, like, I still do that to, the, to this day. Right, exactly. Because we're at it again. And there they are. Gosh, can't get can't get them away from me. <laughs> so the authorities uh, throughout Europe were becoming more God-fearing throughout this period. And so they were interpreting any potential witchcraft um, as, say, or any uh, spell casting or any pagan acts as, like, satanic witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Um which were and they were put to death. So it's very similar to the witch trials. Um, actually, there's one reference to uh, werewolves in a book called Witchcraft, Lycanthropy, Drugs, and Disease, an Anthropological Study of the European Witch Hunt. Oh, my. Did you read the whole book? The whole thing. <laughs> Can you? Um, I did it in like five minutes, too, which is the craziest part. That's incredible. Uh, here's my favorite excerpt of the many pages I absolutely read. <laughs> uh, here's a quote. A woman in Switzerland was beheaded in 1459 for turning herself into a wolf and causing an avalanche while in the company of the devil. What? That's a lot for one sentence. That's a lot. I think that was actually one of the very first um, 
occurrences of werewolves during these trials. Wow. So, uh, let me just say it again. A woman in Switzerland was beheaded in 1459 for turning herself into a wolf, thus causing an avalanche. I don't oh. understand the relation there. Um, yeah. And obviously the devil was by her side the whole time. So, obviously. Uh, so that's just like one little quip of what people were dealing with back then. Oh my God. Uh, so the trials were fueled from like anything. So it could be politics. It could be like a complete like negligence to mental illness. It could be you just didn't like the person um, it, or like the fear of the devil. So and for any reason, you could like accuse someone of either being a witch or a werewolf. Right. Um, it could have also been drugs. Apparently in 1545, the Pope's physicians, they tested this ointment, which you're going to hear about this ointment a lot. Uh-oh. Apparently a lot of people said that they were becoming werewolves because of this ointment that they were given. Well, um, oh no. And so the Pope's physicians tested this ointment and uh, later on it was found out that it did create the sensation of flying or growing fur. <gasps> so, what? Do we know what was in it? I don't know. I don't even know what it was called. Everyone just said this ointment. Um, but what's in, so the Pope's physicians tested it in 1545, but they didn't actually come out and like say the results for almost a hundred years. Oh, oh, so they were just like, we're holding on to this little secret. Um, I, I, little I don't know ointment. if they were holding on. I don't know if they never knew or like they put it on the back burner and then like tested it a hundred years later. When oh, it, like, I see. Wasn't necessary. I don't really understand. But a hundred years later, it was confirmed that this ointment was like causing delusions or hallucinations. Maybe they just wanted to keep going with the idea that <laughs> werewolves like werewolves were real and they didn't want to like. They say, were like, oh, it's this ointment. They were like, no, no, like, no, this is too juicy. We can't, we can't yeah, turn this like, down. I bet. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense to me. I obviously, if I were in charge of a country and people thought that they could turn into mythical creatures, that's the story I'm going to run with. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I mean, no, no, no. We don't need science to back that one up. Especially if you have the power of. Although I also wonder, what if the physicians tested it and then they were like, "I'm a werewolf," and then they were <gasps> like, "Well, shit, now we can't like say, hey, we became werewolves." Oh my god! Actually, ointment. that's genius. Or what if they really believed in there? like well we don't want people thinking the ointment caused this yeah also that yeah a lot of options here a lot of drama i love it someone write like a spec script on that of like physicians in the 1500s testing out their own ointment and becoming werewolves uh that's excellent that's excellent excellent. content right there that's a little history a little action a little mystery sci-fi oh my god oh my gosh it could definitely be on the siffy network ask my father (laughs) Um, okay, so the church's official stance uh, in the 15th century about this was that werewolves were bad because they were pagan. So Uh. it wasn't necessarily that they didn't appreciate werewolves. It was because it was not Christian. Got it. That was basically it. That makes sense. So you you can't be gay, can't be werewolf. You get it. I mean, Um, I mean, those are the two, only the two things that I want. The Bible's actually only one sentence. And Jesus said, you can't be gay or a werewolf. Except he also ran with the werewolves. In five seconds. That's true. But see, there's a lot of hypocrisy and that's, that's it. That's the hypocrisy. Yep. You got it. (laughs) So uh, many of the, oh, so that I was saying that uh, they didn't like it because it was pagan. But by the end of these werewolf trials, it wasn't necessarily because they didn't, it wasn't necessarily that they didn't like werewolves because it was pagan. They didn't like werewolves at this point because they were in league with Satan. And so it uh-huh. had really morphed into like 
it's a completely anti-Christian. It was like, uh-huh. we don't like it because it doesn't work with our beliefs. And over a hundred years or so, it was like, oh, no, no, like, th- this is the devil. So They're like active enemies now. Yeah, so the story had, had grown into something a little worse. Sure. Um, many of the werewolves who were sentenced were put to death also for witchcraft, just because they seemed to go perfectly hand in hand. Um, and in 1608, King Henry IV of France actually commissioned a French judge to wipe out, quote, witchcraft, werewolfery and heresy all at the same time oh my so it's it wasn't just like this little thing that was you know hidden news people were like actually super scared of werewolves and i mean also they were scared of witches too so for the king to literally find a judge to be like sentence all of them to death you know pretty intense yeah um so the judge that he hired was named pierre de uh and he was uh, a witch hunter again hired by the king and apparently he was real fucking merciless um Uh-oh. so no one was safe he would torture people men women children priests oh. even if priests oh. were accused of it um this guy was like i'm not about it i will find a way to extract the information from you so he also like um a lot of confessions were done in duress oh my um, god so very much like the witch trials where like people were saying they were a witch just to get out of torture and then like it backfired yeah. and they ends up getting executed. Cause like you don't, yeah, it's just like a lose, lose situation. Yeah. And so, um, his quote work, if we want to call it that resulted in the execution of 600 people. What? In just three years. Oh my God. What were the, I mean, I swear to God, they're just like back then running around like, they were just you like, could, you're a werewolf, you're a werewolf, you're a witch, you're both. You're and, both. <laughs> yeah. um, so during, during his apparently, quote, torture sessions, he Ugh. would ask his victims about their carnal encounters with demons. Oh, gross. Um, and confessions, like I just said, often came after long bouts of questioning that were definitely involved with torture. Um, and his methods were so brutal that he was actually removed from his position as a judge and the remaining trials were dismissed because I, my guess is they were like, wow, we've probably executed a lot of people that this guy just decided was a werewolf. Yeah. And like, maybe we should just halt this all together. At a certain point, they were probably like, uh, I know we're probably in danger for our lives if we fire him, but also like, it's not yeah, worth it. Like, exactly. Like, gotta go. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. 
it feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room. And so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD to save 20%. Prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So uh, actually, according to that judge before he uh, got his position taken away from him. Mm-hmm. Any moral slight was uh, worthy of being clocked as witchcraft or werewolfery, which I didn't learn was a word until this. Okay. Um, but so I think they realized like, oh, he's really just a- accusing and killing everybody. Yeah. Because these were things that warranted you to be uh, under investigation. Right. Quote, to dance indecently... <laughs> to oh, eat no. excessively my ass be d-e-a-d yeah, we're, we're screwed uh to make love diabolically okay oh dear yeah see this is all very subjective uh-huh. I'm like, uh-huh. also how is he is he a fly on the wall how does he well, know how you're he doing was it? doing that torture asking about demon sex so i guess maybe oh. he was just like pervy and was like i need more details not shocked at all if that was the case no to commit atrocious acts of sodomy. Okay, so he was homophobic. Wow, okay, that just jumped a lot of levels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, blas- uh, blasphemous, uh, to be blasphemous or scandalous, to avenge themselves insidiously, to run after all horrible, dirty, and crudely unnatural desires. Definitely homophobic. Uh, yeah. To keep toads, vipers, lizards, and all sorts of poison as precious things. So if you're a biology Aww. major... Sorry. Or if you just have a, like a, a pet Komodo dragon. If you have a little Komodo dragon. Oh, no. Or if you love passionately a goat and caress him lovingly. Oh, dear. So if you're a farmer, you're also in trouble. So or, yeah, if you're a little too lovey with that goat, I don't think. Oh, if you're, if you're too lovey, yes. But if you, uh, may, I would be nervous if I just had a goat at this time in my life. Yeah, that's true, yeah. I'd be like, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know that iguana and I don't know that goat. <laughs> Sorry to tell you. <laughs> I've never seen that lizard in my life. I hate to say it. I don't notice so- me. <laughs> I don't mean to sound ridiculous. I don't know this lizard at all. He could walk down the street. Okay. Uh, so anyway, th- that's the history. And now the rest of these are just um, little stories from that time. So okay. So I'm I'm doing them in um, chronological order just to give myself some routine in this. So uh, this one is from. This one's called the Gandillan or Gandian werewolves. 
Uh, it was a girl and her 15-year-old brother. Uh, they were both attacked by a wolf. The brother's name was Benoit. Um, Benoit saw a wolf attacking his sister, so he ran over and tried to stab it to death. The crowd <gasps> chased the wolf away, and the girl died at the scene, and Benoit died from injuries later on. Oh, no. Um, before he died, he said that he had attacked the wolf on its paws, um, but it looked like hands, like a man's hands, and they were covered with hair. Oh, jeez. So the town immediately believed that it was this one person named Perinay, uh Gandian, Gandolin. Um, and apparently they were found to have a wound on their hand in the exact same oh. place as the wolf. And that was suspicious enough where they were like, you have a wound on your hand. You must be a werewolf. Man, Benoit's on his deathbed. Like, I just want to <laughs> cause some final chaos before I go. So like, I really, really want to stir shit up. I was going to say my last pot stirring. <laughs> And so rumors in town, apparently before this, people were looking for a reason to get this uh, Perinay person oh. in trouble because it Shocking. was their whole family was already rumored to be witches. Oh, come on. Um, and so they basically, the, the crowd gathered up the whole family. Um, they, it was led by this one guy named Henry Boguet, who was another terrible witch hunter. Um and he, I guess, had a vendetta against the family and was like, I've been wanting to catch them for a long time as witches. I know that's a werewolf. Oh, Let's just go God. get them. So he, the way he backed this up and justified his reasoning, uh, the witch hunter, was he said that one time he had seen them all on all fours, barking and howling and covered in mysterious scratches. And when he questioned the family about it, they confessed to witchcraft, which like... I don't think they did. Yeah. Um, uh, he's just like, you know, I heard it with my own two ears. Yeah. I just walked up to them one day and then they got on all fours and said they were witches. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, um, I don't think so. And then the or whole what family. what if they did and they were like, no one's going to believe you. <laughs> what if they were actually just a whole family of Bill Murray's? They were just like, <laughs> oh no God. one will ever believe what I'm about to do. I'm sad that I'm not part of that family. I would not be surprised if Bill Murray has gotten on all fours and ran around somewhere in the world no me neither if you guys haven't watched the documentary no one will ever believe you please go watch it about i've never seen it like i know the story but i've never seen it i think i watched it when we were on tour and i it was like an airplane documentary oh it was very weird i was like why on earth is this what's happening but if you don't know about bill murray's uh lifestyle you must he chooses to approach random people and do ridiculous shit and uh-huh. then he'll say, no one will ever believe you. And then he walks away. And everyone's got some weird Bill Murray story. Except about, me. Except me. But Everyone except me. The main one in the documentary was that he, like, crashed, like, a frat party or something and, like, partied with them <laughs> for, like, five days and, like, got wildly fucked up and then was like, no one will ever believe you. <gasps> anyway. Uh. So here's another story that is not about Bill Murray. So this one is uh, in France in 1521. Um, and... Uh, this guy, his name was uh, Pierre. So it was about Pierre and then another guy named Michael. Um, and they were known as the werewolves of polygamy. Not po- not polygamy, polygony with an N. Oh, never mind. Uh, maybe, I'm, maybe it's a French town that I'm mispronouncing. But I see. Okay. <laughs> uh, P-O-L-I-G-N-Y. Sounds a lot like polygony to me. Um, so they were accused of lycanthropy. Uh, basically, this one guy was attacked by a wolf um and he uh the wolf ended up running away so the guy tried to track down the wolf so he could kill him once and for all and it ended up leading him to this guy michael's house 
And uh, Michael, he knocked on the door to be like, hey, have you seen a wolf in your area? And Michael was found dripping blood. (gasps) And uh, so he was arrested and under torture, confessed that he was a werewolf. Um, He said that he wasn't the only werewolf, though. So if he's going to go down, all the other werewolves are going down with him. So he said, there's another werewolf that you would want to talk to. His name is Pierre. So that's the story. Oh, boy. Throw him under the bus. So... Only like halfway into his trial, Pierre made a full-blown confession. He said he became a werewolf one night while he was struggling in a storm to herd his sheep. And three mysterious people dressed in black approached and said that if Pierre accepted the devil as his master, the sheep would be okay. (laughs) Oh, well, in that case. These must have been sheep that were worth gold. because Very special sheep. Pierre was like, that sounds like an excellent deal. So uh, he like... Uh, he (laughs) took himself out of I think he was Catholic and uh, so he renounced Catholicism he like said like the devil's my savior and the sheep were fine so that was the sheep much like Juniper were like we didn't ask for this but thanks (laughs) the sheep were just staring at him in the storm being like this is what's going on yeah (laughs) Um, so Pierre only two years later he was like, I'm tired of like not going to church. I'm tired of the devil being my master. And I guess the mysterious group found out because all of a sudden Michael approached Pierre. And I guess Michael was also part of this like devil worshiping group. And they sent Michael out to go talk to Pierre and try mm-hmm. to coax him back into the life, if you will. And uh, he basically, they were trying to i don't know why like pierre was so special like why he needed to be the one that continued worshiping satan but michael promised him money and said like if you come out to the forest like i'll show you like something that'll make you want to stay and so michael took him out to the woods they did a ceremony and they gave pierre this ointment oh boy here we go and they basically said okay rub get naked rub this all over yourself and now you're a werewolf He's like, trust me, trust me, just do it. He was like, this is a good thing. You're going to see. It's worth it. So they began, like, regularly going into the forest together, getting naked. Sounds a little gay to me. Mm. And then they would uh, just rub ointment all over each other and become werewolves. Sounds like a fun time. I mean, I'm assuming that there are hallucinogens in this ointment. So I'm thinking, like, they're partying it up at this point. Well, so remember, this was in, so this was 1521. So for, like, another... 20 years the pope wasn't even going to test this ointment so no yeah so nobody knew that there was like a side effect where you were going to think you're growing hair and flying and shit so (laughs) if it's the most specific (laughs) and random like can you imagine watching a a psa commercial commercial? (laughs) where it's like side effects may include thinking you've grown a lot of hair but not growing a lot of hair yeah 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 and flying around just don't worry about it. Well, so then they started having regular meetups where they would go into the woods and they would rub ointment on like, each other fun. and become werewolves. Uh-huh. But part of their little hangouts is that they would also kill people. So, Oh, dear. Okay. That's not good. <laughs> so uh, they... It was fun until then, to be clear. I don't... That part, I'm like, I'm out. I'm out. Imagine Pierre where you're like, look, I'm not really sure about this. And then you like decide you're going to go to one meeting in the forest then you realize you're a werewolf and you're like holy shit this is actually not this is pretty cool and then the next meeting they're like okay but now we're going to kill people too and pierre's like this is worth it for my sheep i don't understand pierre's probably like i'm in too deep at this point like i can't back out now what are you gonna say oh uh don't worry we were rubbing ointment all the for several days so don't worry about that part 
but then we crossed the line. (laughs) Piero is like, even I don't know what's going on anymore. So there's no way I can explain this. It's too late, man. So they started running through forests. They would kill lost travelers and children. Oh, Um, no. They uh, confessed to killing three children at different times. Uh, Agricultural workers, a woman who was gathering vegetables, the man who tried to rescue her, and a goat. Um, not the goat. I, Pierre, this goat you did this all for the sheep. You did this for the sheep, and now look what you've done. <laughs> so sad. So fucking sad. Apparently, they would tear out people's throats. They would drink their blood, and they have uh, confessed to bestiality. Which I'm I'm confused. I don't know if that means they were doing things to like the goat and like goat. actual animals or each other because they thought they were wolves. Oh, I get it. You know what I, I mean? What like, saying. was the bestiality with other werewolves? Well, it sounds like it was to these sheep or these goats because they were very uh, somehow attached to these animals. That's and true. It, Let's and hope it it's like not they that had way. An unhealthy obsession with these animals. My thought is like, if you're already running off to go get naked together and rub I mean, lotion true, on each yeah. other, maybe the maybe bestiality is the wrong word. We can and only what hope. You're, yeah, <laughs> maybe you just mean gay sex, which is fine. Yeah, maybe. I mean. I, uh, I, I hope that's what it was because I'd prefer that over, you know. I hope if the sheep were involved, they were just like awkwardly just watching the whole time. Like, and that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so two notes. When Pierre was uh, being was on trial for all of this, because remember, he was telling this whole backstory. Sure. He did make sure he wanted everyone to know he could not explain what would happen to his wolf hair when he shapeshifted back to human form. It would just vanish. Oh, was like very important to him for everyone to know. Sure. Got it. Also, he said he had to become naked to become a werewolf, but Michael could do it with his clothes on. What? So apparently he wasn't a strong enough werewolf. He needed the the extra step. Someday. So those are the werewolves of polygamy. Um, The next one. It's pronounced like Polony. Polony. Something. Polygny. No, I don't know. I'm just being a stupid American. Not quite, but. (laughs) Poligny. Okay. Like, I think that's something Italian. More like that. I think like, no, I'm, bull- I'm sure thinking Bolognese. <laughs> okay. Okay. Moving on. Oh, look, if at this point, any French person who heard me saying that has been mad for the last 15 minutes. So. That's true. We're not going to get them back. It's too late. It's too late. They already turned us off. So the next one is in France in 1573. Uh, who This one, the werewolf was called the Hermit of Dole. Um, their name was also uh, Gilles uh, Garnier. Okay. Um, and Garnier turned into a werewolf and attacked a 10-year-old in a vineyard and dragged her away. Then he uh, stripped her naked and ate her alive. What? From the thighs to the arms. Okay, woof. And uh, then brought the rest of the flesh back to his wife, I guess for dinner? I don't know. Um, Maybe she... It's like when I go to, like the gas station and i know allison's gonna want me to buy a reese's for her so yeah. i just do it he was it's like just like that my wife is gonna be so jealous if i don't bring back some raw human yeah oh god so he apparently killed another girl wounding her in five places but was chased off by three men a week later he also attacked a boy and dragged him into the woods um but he got caught because in the middle of eating the boy alive he turned back into a human who knows? He suddenly realized what was happening. The drugs wore off. Oh, right. God. Who knows what part of that story is true? Hopefully none of it. Um, this sounds like bath salt story all over again. I mean, it does. That's what ugh. I keep thinking, too. I, yeah. I, I've thought that a few times when I was doing this uh, research. Disturbing. 
uh, Garnier was tortured to extract a confession. He admitted that he was just really poor, and so he would forage in the woods. And one day he came across a shadow man who offered him an ointment. Um, so he turned, it would turn him into a wolf, which allowed him to hunt more effectively. And he confessed to, uh, murdering four children while being a werewolf so that he and his wife could eat. Um, and he was burned and alive at the stake. I mean, if you, if he actually did murder and eat four children, like, sure, that person probably needs some justice, but it just makes you wonder, like, if they're being tortured, like, did they actually do this or is this like an Uh accusation? unfounded i don't know the worst part about all this is i have no idea what parts of my story of the stories are true so hopefully these are all just like random like folklore but i imagine someone has been killed for witchcraft or something probably like court records for some of it i mean just like there were for the witch trials right right i'm sure yeah um i wonder also with these stories my thought is i wonder like when they get so fantastical if they're just like being tortured and they're like let me tell you the tale and right like rumpelstiltskin style i don't really remember that story but i feel like you just (laughs) talk and talk and talk just kind of like just trying to come up with something to make it sound real and so yeah like entertain you at least to stop the torture a lot of artistic license yeah yes um also where like someone should be going into the woods and looking for this like weird shadowed figure who just has like a bottle of ointment and nothing else who's it's offering guy, it to people michael, for free it's, it's michael and pierre it must be it, they they're must, just out there in the woods <laughs> it's just shocking where everyone's like oh and the shadow figure who had nothing but a bottle of ointment to his name it's like let's go find that guy like yeah who what is, is this guy who is offering all this like weird werewolf serum um okay for free by the way for free it doesn't sound like he's charging um i I have the next one I'm going to actually save to the last because that's like arguably the biggest werewolf trial story. Um, So I've got a couple more real quick. So in 1598 in France, there was a guy named Jacques Roulette. Um, Apparently he was convicted of lycanthropy. Peasants in the area found a nude mutilated body of a 15 year old boy. Oh, fuck. Super gross. His limbs were still (gasps) pulsing. So it was a a very fresh kill. no. Um, and as peasants got closer, apparently two wolves ran off. And so they thought, okay, a wolf attacked this kid. Let's go chase after the wolves. <sighs> the, the wolves disappeared, but out of the same bushes came this tall man. This was not the same man with ointment. Not the shadow man. <laughs> not the shadow man. This guy was Jacques Roulette. He was a tall man in torn up rags. Um, his hands were bloody. And apparently there was like human skin under his fingernails. Like, oh, so they were like, okay, this guy fucking did it. So they brought him to the local magistrate, and Jacques said that he was a beggar. He was begging with his two brothers named Jean and Julian, which I love that all three of them are J's that the Duggars yeah. did not use, every single one of them. The the Duggars, you said? The Duggars, how like all 19 of their kids are named with the letter J. I think those are a little too exotic, though. Jacques, Jean, and Julian. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think they're a little too exotic. They weren't like, yeah, they, they're not arkansas enough yeah yeah yeah. um but so jacques said that he worshiped the devil ever since he was a kid his parents gave him a special ointment so maybe he's the child of the shadow man ah um intriguing. and this ointment made him turn into a wolf that was specifically hungry for humans he said that the two wolves that people saw were his brother and his cousin jack and julian um and he confessed to killing and eating children with his family because they were poor beggars who were hungry he was able to give precise dates and times for crimes that actually had happened, which is super oh, gross. Shit. 
So like that one feels more real to me. Yeah, that's not good. Um, He did receive the death penalty for werewolfism, cannibalism, and murder, but he appealed his conviction saying that he gave his conviction under duress, uh, or he gave his confession under duress, and he was sentenced instead to a mental hospital for insanity. So this guy gets off. The guy, other people, the guy with arguably the most like the more airtight story. Yeah more factual statements yeah this is that's disturbing i also like under duress i can't believe they had that back then you can appeal under say you uh-huh. were under duress but like nobody else they're not like oh but all these other people who were their fingernails were torn off like this guy was just a vagabond and a lawyer is the difference he knew oh, the, he I knew see. the he was law a, uh-huh. he was a vagabond and a lawyer and a, a wolf also <laughs> and, a wolf. So, and also like n- almost a dugger so like it's he's got a lot on his resume god he's really a cool guy in 1603, there was a Jean Grenier in France also. Um, and so children in the area had started to uh, disappear from the fields. Apparently, one baby was even taken from its cradle. Um, oh. And witnesses started coming forward, including a 13-year-old who said she was attacked by a wolf under a full moon. And another kid who said that they were watching cattle and uh, and they were taken by a wolf. Um, and this guy, Jean Grenier, he was heard like bragging that he was behind the attacks um oh shit he they also connected him to being a wolf because apparently he was hitting on this girl and she said that he like like she wasn't interested because he was so dirty (gasps) and the guy was like i'm not dirty i just wear wolf skin because i needed to become a werewolf like that was his way of hitting on her of like no no no. this you've got it all wrong i'm not i'm not dirty i'm just a wolf <laughs> ah, oh my god uh and so they kind of connected him that way and then he ended up elaborating that he was part of a pack of nine werewolves that hunted three times a week it's like they have like a calendar like a google invite like three times they a probably week. do they're yeah. like let's gather let's they're do like thing. get on the survey monkey what days are you free next <laughs> week <laughs> We have some plans. Uh, So he also said that he loved to prey on young children because their flesh was most tender. Okay, woof. That's bad. I like how we're like, she was like, I don't want to date you because you're dirty. Also, like now I don't want to date you because you're a wolf. But now I definitely don't want to date you because you're a murderer. Now she's like, am I supposed to be? Is this hot now? Am I like into it? I don't think so. It's like, I know I said I like bad boys, but like this is too much. I regret that. Um. So apparently he confessed to various murders, and in each case he was able to give exact details again, which is terrible. The court showed clemency to him on account of his age and poor education, so they sent him to a church to live at. So he was allowed to go live uh, in God's house. Um, In 1610, people went to go visit him, so only a couple years after he was sent to live at the church, they said he looked completely different. He had sunken black eyes. He had long teeth, which I don't know how your teeth grow, but- They're like, we haven't seen him in seven years. His teeth are so long these days. I know. He never gets them cut. I know. I wonder, I wonder if, like, because it, maybe he was, like, not eating or starving. And, like, like his your gums, gums kind of recede. Oh, yeah. Especially maybe. if you have sunken eyes also. Like, I wonder if that's just a starvation thing. That's actually really sad and probably true. Yeah. Um, also, his hands looked like talons. Okay, so that guy also is not cutting his claws. His Yikes. nails. His claws. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows if he's a werewolf. <laughs> Um, but he also loved to run around on all fours and, uh, he loved to talk about wolves and he would only eat raw meat. Okay. So this guy also probably should have been sent to like get help because it sounds like, it sounds like he had clinical lycanthropy where he legitimately thought he was a werewolf. 
Interesting. Um, so there's that guy. And then in 1691, there was an 80-year-old man named Tease, and he was tried for being a werewolf because his neighbors had a conspiracy theory that he was. They were just like oh, that on. fucking guy. No. Um, uh, police had brought him in on an unrelated matter, and he just started fucking talking about being a werewolf. So, like, it oh, ended boy. up the neighbors were actually onto something. Okay, all right. That's not much of a conspiracy theory, though. If he's already telling you that they, he's a wolf, yeah, I feel like you don't have to be hush hush about that. If he's already yeah. approaching you, and I'm assuming he would just start talking about. Wolves it sounds like to that's you. all he wanted to talk about. Yeah, it's uh, if I were going up to my neighbors and I was like, "Man, let me tell you about werewolves. I love being a werewolf. Werewolves are so great. I'm. So, I there's nothing I love more than being a werewolf. The neighbors have neighbor- a right to call the police. <laughs> the neighbors are like. There's something off about this guy. I can't put my finger on it, but something's. Let's drop some red string on corkboard, but I have a hunch we're gonna get somewhere around werewolves. Somewhere. So the police brought him in on a random other situation, and he did the same thing. And so the cops were like, "Okay, so this guy like has no shame." No. Um, He did say that his nose had been broken by a witch while (gasps) he was a werewolf. Oh dear. Um. Because he was preventing the crops from growing. So this sounds like he was one of those Bandanetti werewolves. Oh. I think I'm saying the word. I don't have the... I don't know it. I think it was called Bandanetti wolves. But if you heard the last episode, these were specific werewolves who felt like they were tasked since birth to astral project into a world where they fought witches to protect local crops. Which Yeah, that's the funnest one. <laughs> the most fun and somehow the least sensical. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> uh, but so I, this sounds like like he thought he was a Bandanetti wolf. Sure. Um, and so he said that witches were preventing the crops from growing and because they were trying to draw the grains into hell, which like, what is Satan going to do with the grains when, he, when <sighs> they get to hell? I guess make some cookies. I don't know. He needs, He's doing a sourdough starter like the rest of us. Apparently. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so to prevent this, Tease and his werewolf pack descended into hell to fight the witches off and get the grain back. Sure. Uh, and then Tease told the cops that, that he had since then given up lycanthropy. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was back in my glory days. I'm not a werewolf anymore. Oh, um, he gave it up. I don't I know. Gave it up. I don't know why. He did say that werewolves can only change into wolves three days out of the year, which are Saint Lucia's Day, the Pentecost, and uh, Midsummer Night. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that so werewolves can only change those three days, and they have to use mag- magical wolf pelts to be able to turn into a wolf. Um, he also said that werewolves are agents of God, um, and it was their task to protect livestock. Which is ironic because so you're a wolf. now he's saying they're the good guys, right? So now he's saying like, no, no, no. He's we're like Christian wolves. I'm protecting the grains and I'm protecting the livestock, even though I'm a wolf who will eat livestock. And, and also, children also. And also God wants me to do this. Yeah, that's the big point here. They then resp- responded and they were like, okay, we get that you're like somehow like a good wolf, but also you're practicing magic. So we're mm. going to flog you. <laughs> and so. Yeah, sorry. Ends up getting flogged and exiled. Oh, God. Uh, which, like, he was getting real cocky just talking about it and expecting no one to do yeah. anything during the werewolf trials. He's lucky he only got flogged, you know? And that's the thing. I'm like, I'm shocked that it only went that far, especially when he was, like, giving up information. I mean, If you're going to be that know. braggadocious, like, at a yeah. time when you should be not mentioning it so proudly. Yeah. Like, I'm, be thankful you're not dead right now. I'm amazed. 
Um, so in 1849, this is the last one before the big one. In 1849, there was one called the Galician, Galish, Galician werewolf, which was in modern day Poland. And this guy named Swiatek, Swiatek was, uh, he had a crush on this girl and told her, if you go to the churchyard and recite an incantation, I will give you jewels, which is obviously how you flirt with people. That's <laughs> what? That's how I, that's how I got Allison. I was like, go to the churchyard and do a little rhyme and I'll bring you something. That literally is something that you would do. But <laughs> also like, I guess it's better than just being dirty. Like right. the other guy. Or like being like, no, 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 you misunderstood. I only like killing children. Like <laughs> I just wear, I, right. I just wear dead animals and kill children. It's hot. Don't worry about it. Can you imagine in today's age, if you tried to tell somebody that like, like i i'm sorry like, i'm just like trying to play it in my like head I'm any like, of the above <laughs> yes but can you imagine telling someone like i think like you might need to like talk to somebody like i think you maybe sure. are a little unstable and they're like no 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 i'm just in a pack of werewolves like i yeah you don't understand which like and i want to be very clear before like the rest of this episode too of like if like you're part of uh like you know a group where like like if you're an indigenous person who identifies with spirit sure, animals sure, or things sure, like sure. that, that's very different than like claiming you are a werewolf and are happy to murder children and things like that. So yes, yes, I yes. hope no one's being offended if like you actually uh, have a belief system that allows you to sure, 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 you know, be amongst animals and all that. So yeah, but yeah, can you imagine where you're like, I think maybe you need some help, and they're like, no, 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 I'm just a murderer. I don't understand. You what's misunderstand. Wrong. I just me. like to eat children. Is there what's why don't wrong you with go? You? to the dollar store parking lot and i'll throw some jewels at you right or whatever i <laughs> just like, i don't really understand that part sing but. in a churchyard you'll you'll get there so uh so the girl was like uh i'm gonna bring people if i'm going to this churchyard by Smart. myself always bring a friend and he was pissed so he ran off he like got busted i guess he was like sounds like he didn't have great intentions it sound you know what Bingo, Christine. Uh, <laughs> I know. I am I am just like so astute today. Look at me go. But very quickly, many other people started going missing in the churchyard. Oh, no. Um, and disappearances were blamed on Swaytek, given the story that people had heard about him trying to lure someone else to the churchyard. Right. Um, so villagers also began assuming he must be a werewolf. I don't know where that connection began, but everyone apparently is a werewolf at this point, so I'm not surprised that that was an option. Yeah. So they're like, he's probably also a werewolf. Um, and so they began killing any wolf that they saw, thinking oh. it might be Swaytek in disguise. Well, that's kind of also sad in its own way. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I, put, I guess it's just hunting. It's like not their fault. Yeah. Um, so at the same time, an innkeeper happened to lose a bunch of their ducks oh, i guess boy. they had ducks in, at this inn <laughs> um, i love i want to stay at that airbnb please have you been to the peabody in memphis i don't even know what that is i've never okay, been to memphis it's uh this like old 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 hotel in memphis and they have i think it's every day at noon they have a a show with where ducks come through the hotel and go swimming in the fountain get out of here oh it's so cute i I, would love to be privy to this it's so cute so they i think it's in memphis uh it could be nashville i'm pretty sure it's memphis Um, i've always wanted to go to memphis now i have to go to memphis they make it this royal regal thing they put out all these chairs in the lobby (gasps) of the hotel it's this very elaborate beautiful hotel as it should be and so they put out all these chairs so everyone gets like a front row seat it looks like a little wedding because they have like chairs (gasps) everywhere and then they have literally like a man in like an old ass 
regal hat and coat and a cane. Stop it. Walking, and he's followed by a procession of ducks all in a row, literally ducks in a row, I one by one. I can't do I can't even. And they all walk slowly to this very, like, delightful royal music. And he, they follow him to the fountain, and then he, like, does an about face and turns <gasps> to them, and then each of them, one by one, hop up onto the fountain. Stop. And then at, like, he, like, says something, like, I guess they're like trained to know a certain command and they like all hop into the water together. It's very cute. Excuse me. I have goose cam. No, I have duck cam. Have duck oh cam. my God. Did you see this live? Yes. Oh, I'm so jealous. It oh, was I'm one so of jealous. my mom and I, when we road tripped out to California, we stopped in Memphis. That's so. amazing. I mean, why did you even keep going? I would have been like, sorry, California. <laughs> I'm here for good. But uh, my mom, that was like the one thing my mom really wanted to do across the entire nation. She's like, I want to see the Peabody ducks. So I mean, I now, Linda, I get it. I'm all with you. I'm. <laughs> can we go on a road trip? Because just uh, for the ducks. Wow. Wow. So uh, anyway, so when I think the innkeeper lost his ducks, all I think is like, is this in Memphis? Like, <laughs> you know what? Memphis is only a state away from me now. So if Tennessee is right, right near me. So there you, you go. Come, Just drive on it? down. Steal Ooh. a duck. Um, so anyway, he lost all of his ducks. He suspected it must be wolves. And I guess the rumors throughout the local area where that Swaytech was the wolf everyone was looking for. So it kind of became this thing of like Swaytech must have taken my ducks. Sure. Um, so he goes to Swaytek's home Uh-oh. and he uh, smelled roasted meat being cooked. And oh, he's, no. And he saw Swaytek, I guess, uh, I guess <gasps> Swaytek saw that someone was outside looking into his house. And so he like hid something under his apron. Oh, no. And so the innkeeper who was there looking for his ducks and smelled roasted meat was like, what did he just hide under his like coat? Because he sees and me coming. And then it quacked. <laughs> No, and then a whole uh, procession of ducks jumped out of his apron. The music, be- the violins began. <laughs> uh, imagine Swaytek is just the guy with the cane uh, and the hat. I think maybe that's where the story is going. I like it. It's not because oh, uh, the innkeeper ran up to him, grabbed him, and lifted up his apron to be like, "Give me my duck back!" And it was the head of a girl. Oh, <gasps> yikes! Oh, fuck! What? So uh, they were like, okay, so you're literally killing people and found him in human form. So this was like an actual murder. Um, right. So he, he called like authorities and Swaytek's house got searched. They found a bowl of fresh blood. They found <gasps> her organs removed and cleaned. And they found her limbs roasting over the fire, which was the meat that he smelled. Oh, um, oh no. Uh, Swaytek le- later confessed to having killed and eaten at least six people. Um, but it was probably a much higher number. He just confessed to six. Um, and he, uh, apparently this all started because after a fire, apparently again, he was really poor and very hungry and he, uh, there was a fire nearby and a lot of people died in the fire and he was so hungry. He just started eating their cooked bodies. Oh God. Okay. And he liked the taste so much. He just continually wanted to eat humans. Yeah, the first part I understand, like, okay, survival. But the second part is like, yeah, no, no, no. You he just it too far. needed to continue, yeah. So yeah. the locals suspected him of lycanthropy. Um, but either way, he was, like, already caught for murder. Um, and so he was supposed to go to jail. Can you imagine the guy is like, oh, it's a werewolf. They're like, it doesn't matter. Like, he's literally a murderer. <laughs> Truly. That, like, lycanthropy is still the first charge he That's gets. That's not it's the like, point, right? It's like, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter at this point. Oh, my God. But so he ended up actually uh, dying by suicide oh, while shit. in jail because he knew he was getting the death sentence. So This is just 
Wild. Okay. And I, I want to reiterate, like, this is, uh, like, a lot of, remember, a lot of people so far in these stories have confessed to eating other people because right. they were poor and hungry. And, side note, all the peasants were still the ones who hadn't been completely converted yet, and a lot were still just practicing paganism. So it's like, it's like taking two different parts. Like, there's the, uh, a lot of the peasants were still practicing paganism. A lot right. of the peasants were hungry and poor, so they like resorted to cannibalism. So the paganism part and the cannibalism part really have nothing to do with each other, except that they both are like part of the peasantry community. Okay. And so a lot of people started thinking, oh, if you're a cannibal, you must be a witch. So I think that's I where see. the werewolf thing kind of came into play. Of like, I see. If you're eating people, we don't even care that you're a murderer. You must right. just be a witch and being a werewolf is what's causing this. Well, and it also probably just seems so like inhuman. Like, right. You know, the, the gut instinct is to be like, this isn't a person like us. This is a creature from the devil. Exactly. Exactly. Ugh. So there's one last one. And this is arguably the biggest werewolf story during the 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 years of the werewolf trials. So this is in 1589. You might have heard of this for all I know. This is in Bedburg, Germany. Um, I don't think so. Not not because like you're German and it's in Germany. That's but I just I don't. It sounds like one it's, of your it's stories. Po- it's probable. So don't worry. It sounds like one of your like German cautionary tales. So. Oh no! Oh no! Let me get a sip of water real quick. Sorry. I like I don't know if you can see my little. I got this little love seat, and it's I call it my fainting couch. Oh, like I, I love that. Expire. When Hold on, do something... this. Do this. So, oh, no, no. oh yeah. Yep. There it is. It's very dramatic, and I'm obsessed with it. So I'm going to scoot this table so that I can be more so you I'm can preparing faint, for this. So you can faint mm-hmm. appropriately, yeah. I would love to faint appropriately for your story. I love that. Oh, my gosh. It sounds <laughs> delightful. Okay. So this is in uh, 1589 in Bedburg, Germany, and this is the story of Peter Stube. Stube? <gasps> this does sound familiar, actually. Okay. So apparently it's uh, his name is... Peter Stube or Peter Stube, but people have also called him Peter Stumpf, Peter uh, of Be- of Bedburg and the Werewolf of Bedburg. What uh, year was it? 1589. Oh, okay. Maybe I don't know it then. So apparently there were strange deaths of cows uh, that were found in the pastures recently. Children and women were disappearing. So it was just kind of a lot of weird stuff was going on in the town. And one day... A bunch of limbs of several <gasps> missing people were all found together in one field. Oh no! Mm-hmm. Not the disembodied feet. They're back. <laughs> the disembodied feet. The disembodied arms. Disembodied ears. All of it. You're right. There's a lot of disembodied things. So uh, the community thought that it must be wolves, just because they looked so mangled, and people were getting dragged out of fields next to dead cattle. They sure. And so they determined it must be wolves and then very quickly jumped to it must be werewolves. Or at least it uh-huh. could be werewolves. Right. Um, since this was like right in the hot spot of the werewolf trials, if you're assuming a wolf, you might as well also assume a magical wolf, I guess. Why not at that point? So local hunters started looking. And after many days, they actually found a massive wolf-like creature and they chased it down with their dogs, everything. And they cornered it. Or the dogs cornered it, and by the time the actual hunters got up to where the dogs had cornered this wolf, they were now cornering a man. So in <laughs> theory, he transformed back into his human form before the hunters oh. got there. Oh, my. Um, and it was Peter Stube. And so after uh, 
So apparently Peter was a farmer in town. He was a a widower, a father. He was a peasant in town. Um, And he was arrested immediately for the deaths of 13 children, two pregnant women, and livestock. Oh, my God. All under the... uh, the the guise of him being a werewolf. Like, oh, that's true. That's true. They, they were thought just he like, was like literally a wolf. They were like, we just found you. Like our dogs cornered you while we're looking for wolves. You he must didn't be have, responsible. Like, a head in his apron like the other guy. He right. Was just like he had, happened to be taking a walk. There was less evidence than a literal head. <laughs> um, <laughs> than the exact evidence that other guy had. Right. But then get this. He straight up confessed. And oh, like shit. it could be under duress. It right, could have right. been you know, through torture or something like that. But the way that this story goes, he like happily openly said on his own, like, yeah, this was me. Oh, no. Um, And so he apparently the attacks were wildly brutal, especially on pregnant women. He had, sorry, ripped out the fetuses (gasps) and ate them raw. Oh, oh, I hope that's not true. I hope this is not true. He called them dainty morsels. Okay, well, okay. Just fucking ridiculous. Oh god. Um also I don't I also don't think this one's real. Um first of all, I just really fucking hope it's not. I but, just hope it's not. <laughs> but apparently this story comes from like some random pamphlet from like the 1500s and it was never documented anywhere else. So it feels very cautionary tale. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine though like if you were the writer of this pamphlet and then like however many hundreds of years later <laughs> We're sitting here just like <laughs> casually chatting about this story, and the guy's like, Holy shit! Well, also, like, not like no offense to pamphlet writers, but like, I would, I <laughs> all would, all offense to pamphlet writers, but full I would, offense. I would think if my job were a pamphlet writer, I would think, like, this isn't going to be around in 500 years, or why would you, right? Like, yeah. this will be long gone, but your pamphlet is the only one it's to have one. made it, and you happen to have the most fucked up story of all of them. Like, I mean, you knew what you were doing, right? You, you were, were like, hoping that someone would think to survive. Yeah, yeah, you were hoping this would like uh, live out its legacy. You were like, that guy, Peter, who stole my wife, my girlfriend. Right. I need to put him <laughs> for the rest of eternity in humankind. I need everyone to think that this guy. It's like, they're going to know. I'm already manifesting it. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, uh, if that pamphlet was telling an accurate story, even though there was no sources or anything for There's it. no like uh bibliography <laughs> right no annotated <laughs> sites um or anti-citations so uh yeah so apparently he literally ate raw fetuses um oh. he strangled children he bludge- bludgeoned women and ripped their throats out with his bare hands he disemboweled some of them and partially ate them Apparently, okay, also, just like side note, I love that today pamphlets are like ride the world's tallest roller coaster. Back then, it was like <laughs> this guy Peter, like you know literally what? all of it. Fetuses. I would say they are still a commonality there because it's still like tourism. It's like oh, it's true. Come to the town where Peter did this really terrible fucking thing. It's very German to be like, do you want to know the most horrible thing that ever happened? You know what's so funny made- is that I actually speaking of roller coasters. I just found roller coaster TikTok, which I didn't know was a thing. I didn't either. Did you know that? Like, I don't know why I'm shocked. Like, this makes so much sense. I'm just mad I like didn't know about it earlier, so I could like become a part of it. There's like apparently like a roller coaster community. Like, just like how there's enthusiasts for anything, there's like literally groups in real life, not on TikTok. There's like there's like a an organization 
like huge huh. enthusiast groups specifically about roller coasters who know like the physics of each one, like the fun facts of each one. And like they all get together at like meetups to go to different theme parks and like ride their favorite roller coasters that they've studied <gasps> together. Isn't that what? so precious? I had no idea. Well, I have a fun fact about roller coasters, which is that when Em and I first started the podcast and we were brainstorming, hey, we have a podcast or we want a podcast. What should we talk about? Uh, one of the things Em threw out was like, hey, what about like theme parks? And I was like, theme parks do you remember that no <laughs> one of the suggest because we were just throwing around ideas via text I, it's probably somewhere and you're like what about like theme parks like they're haunted like haunted theme parks oh, I, was like, I have a i kind of vaguely rem- i wanted to do um abandoned theme park abandoned, abandoned locations theme parks. abandoned that's locations yeah and then i was like i mean i think that's cool but it feels very narrow like it feels very like <laughs> you could only like get like run out <laughs> you could only get like 10 episodes in and to be clear we didn't think we'd have 200 someday but we right. were like well we should probably find a more vast source of material but i mean yeah look full circle haunted sort of. locations is what we've full branched rhombus. into a full rhombus so <laughs> um but yeah so he the terrible things to pamphlet pe- right people right. yeah yeah pamphlet man <laughs> he uh, did horrible things to livestock and people. Apparently, one kid actually got away at one point, and but it did say that P- Peter tried to grab her and like snap her neck. But oh. what saved her was she had this stiff, high collar, and it kept his fingers from being able to like do some sort of snapping motion and like oh, God. get hit. like it was because of her like really starchy collar. So, do you think that was just like another German like Catholic way of being like, see, this is why little girls modesty cover saves. Their whole bodies, yeah, right? <laughs> if you don't want to be eaten by an old man, yep, uh, exactly. Uh, and so he can't control himself, but you can control your outfit. You can definitely throw a couple uh, starch collars on. <laughs> so it, because he couldn't actually really grab her well, it gave her time to scream. So the cattle heard her. <gasps> and because the cattle were worried about their own calves, they charged at Peter and he fell. Oh, um, oh. oh, good. Good cows. Good cows. Uh, I was going to try to make a pun. No, it's too late. Okay. Um <laughs> So Peter also, this is a weird thing. And this, according to the pamphlet and like Google, I'm inclined to believe that this was consensual. Um, But he allegedly also was sleeping with his sister and his daughter. Um, Cool. If the daughter was a minor, probably not consensual. But no, I I think the daughter was like an adult because both of them, both the sister and the daughter were also um, assisting in these crimes, apparently. Okay. Not great. great. I mean, even if she's an adult, like I still like, I'm not really like a big fan of it. No, it's not good. It's not good. But um, there's some troubling connotations there. mm -hmm. So apparently he was sleeping with his sister and his daughter uh apparently he had a child with his daughter and then he murdered the baby by bringing it to the forest and eating its brains what Um, the fuck also like this needs to be a longer pamphlet because i want more information yeah i'm like a pamphlet what the (laughs) hell kind of pamphlet is this it was one of those pamphlets that folds out into like a whole theme park map is what it was um it has to be so at this trial uh peter confessed to all of his crimes um, and he said that he had been practicing dark magic since he was 12. He started when the devil gave him a magical belt that would help him turn into a wolf. Great. Um, and 
apparently when he would turn into the wolf, this is his own description of himself. He had the likeness of a greedy, devouring wolf, strong and mighty, with eyes great and large, a mouth great and wide, with the most sharp and cruel teeth, and a huge body with mighty paws. And he said that this was why the hunter thought that he originally was a wolf when they were chasing Uh. him. He took the belt off before they could get to him and he became a human again. But then, like, where was what? the belt? Was he just holding it the whole time when Good they, like, point. arrested him? Good point. Satanic um, belt. So he apparently made a deal with the devil. Or this, this is why he became, like, a killer. Because he originally made a deal with the devil specifically to, quote, work his malice on men, women, and children, whereby he might live without dread or danger of life. So, like, he made a deal with the devil so that he could be a murderer and get away with it, but then he yeah, didn't get away with but it. Then he so, didn't. is the devil real? Also, where's your I mean, belt? maybe the devil's just like, haha, I tricked you. Truly, he why would the devil could. make an honest agreement? Yeah, exactly. Also, I'm sorry, I just can't stop thinking about this, but like, was the wolf wearing a belt? That's what I'm thinking too. I'm like, I'm like, did he take it off? But how did he take it like, off? Like, do you he take your own fur thumb. off? Like, or. Yeah, in that case, if you can see the belt, then you should know which wolves are wolves and which are werewolves. Also, I'd be like, prove it. Put on your belt. I want to see this. Right. Okay, wait a minute. How come there were literally three centuries of werewolf trials where many people claimed that they were putting on magical belts and we've Seriously. never seen one of these belts? Yeah. Okay, give me a time machine. Em and I are going to go back. Hang on we a have second. A lot of, we're, the now, we're the jury now. We have a lot of questions. <laughs> Hello, it's us. It's me so again. So if you own a belt... I want. I actually just want to go into everyone's closet like I'm Tan France, and I want to be like, I want to watch you put every single one of these on because one Where's of them might be magical. Where's your magic satanic belt? I need it now. Also, then JVN walks in. He's like, I want to see all your ointments. Well, he's also like, wait a minute, is this ma- queer eye? Hang he's on. like, that werewolf hair is really matted, girl. We got to brush it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're not cut out for that kind of a show, but we are the jury for you know 15th century. We trials. would just be the Anthony and then just eat avocados in the kitchen and leave everyone else alone. That's all um, I've ever wanted. So, uh, yeah. So he apparently made a deal with the devil so that he could kill people. He also confessed to having sex with a succubus. With, oh, and, good. That the devil sent him as a, like a thank you or something. That's like, a, like the least Like a confession. fruit basket. <laughs> uh, <laughs> For like, all your trouble. Here's your that, succubus. That's like the least, conf- like the least, inter- I mean, like, okay, you're confessing that? You also had sex with your daughter and your wife, or I'm sorry, your sister, and yeah. killed babies, but, like, you're confessing to having sex with, like, a You're like, here's demon. arguably the worst of it all. It's like, right. I, I beg to differ. Priorities are off. Um. So then on Halloween, apparently Peter's daughter and his sister, um, again, both who were convicted of assisting him in his crimes, they were both burned at the stake. Oh, no. And then Peter, specifically, because he did the... Uh, real heinous shit he was uh like old school medieval tortured where he was like lashed on a wheel his oh my god flesh was torn off of him with like pliers like pinchers i think that's called flaying okay well that happened to him oh god his limbs were broken and then they chopped off his head and then oh my god and then his body was burned at the stake and then they put another like i guess previously dead wolf's body they put Peter's head on the body and then like hoisted it up in the center of the town so that everyone could go see this like dead wolf with Peter's head on it as a now, warning. It's now sounding more like a pamphlet. Like I'm getting the picture now. As a warning to other werewolves. Like this will happen if also gave a bad name to werewolves. Like can't there just be one werewolf who's like, I want to go hang out in the forest, maybe get a belly rub. That's fucking yeah. it. That's it. Well, that one guy was like, I was just trying to get the wheat away from 
Yeah, Satan? that one guy's like, look, I'm saving your crop. God so you're welcome. You're yeah. welcome. And uh, and he probably also got executed. Anyway, sorry that was so long, but those are some of the many what? stories and cases from the werewolf trials. That's nuts. Dude, no, it was just long because I kept interrupting. I apologize. But no, like, no, holy no. cannoli, that was crazy. I, wow, I don't even know what to say. That pamphlet, though, that was the longest pamphlet I've ever heard of. <laughs> That Sounds pamphlet like was like a 20 minute long uh, story on a podcast. It sounds like our episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I have a story for you today um, that several people had requested in the past and I didn't know what it was. And now I feel pretty ignorant. Oh. Um, but this is the story of Neil Stonechild and the Starlight Tours murders. Oh, that sounds familiar, but I, I'm proud. I've probably never heard of it. Yeah, I I it's, knew that phrase just because people kept requesting it, but I like never thought like thought to really. Oh, sorry. I think I've just heard Star Child before, and so I'm like confusing it in my head. Okay, it's it's Starlight Tours, but oh, okay. Well, Starlight. I really don't know what's going on. Star Child, I think. Okay, no, I'm not gonna say it because I feel like. I'm, I think that was a book. I'm a very anyway. ignorant person. Let's just Me keep too. going. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to try to make us slightly less ignorant today. This week, we are going to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and Canada. <sighs> so let's start there. <sighs> let's please. Wow. Some notable people from Saskatoon include Joni Mitchell, former NHL player Gordy Howe, not somebody I know, but okay, okay and Jan Martel, who wrote Life of Pi. Oh, okay. Fun fact. I do know I Life of Pi. That one I know, and Joni Mitchell I know. I feel like everyone's maybe I don't. Maybe my mom was like with the times, and it's actually a younger generation than I'm aware of. But my mom and every mom that I was aware of was fucking obsessed with that book all at the same time. Yeah, it was a very like Oprah's pick book. It had it must have been or something where it was like it's a like Oprah's book club or whatever. My mom was like, it's a boy and a tiger on a boat for the entire book, and I went, that sounds awful. (laughs) Okay, to be fair, your mom also wanted to see the ducks, only the ducks, so it makes a lot. <laughs> my my mom really is like a real sucker for any like m- like main character where it's only an animal. Like I mean, same. <laughs> like she's not far off. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think she has a good taste. Okay, so Life of Pi. Right. Another fun fact about Saskatoon, um, according to the blog Hike Bike Travel, is that there are more Tim Hortons per capita than in any other city in Canada. Fun. So. That's the, the the big Tim Hortons town, I guess. I dragged Eva into a Tim Hortons when we went to Vancouver. Oh, did you? Purely because I was in Canada. Because <laughs> you were there, right. And because Eva was next to me and I was like, you really like lost all opportunities for an opinion today, Eva. Like, I'm yeah, dragging, sorry. I'm dragging you here. Too. I'm dragging you here. You should have stayed at the hotel if you didn't want this. Yeah, she, was, she knew what she was getting into. She was the ultra hype man, though. Like, she, I think, obviously, you and her both know how much I love Canada. Yes, Eva, we do totally like, enabled every ounce of anything I wanted to do. And I was like, we have to go. And I, Oh my God, I was sh- getting all these fucking pictures to the group chat of like, <laughs> and with different like touristy items. And I was like, thanks guys. It's, I'm still grossed out at how much money I spent in Canada on souvenirs. Like it was all for me. I wasn't buying them for anyone else. No, no, they weren't gifts by the way. Anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. Uh, I think we needed to get that out there. Every, you know, we were all Any, waiting for Anytime it. we can, I want to. Anyway, shout out to Eva yeah. for like absolutely being the uh, a homie that day. Yeah, shout out to Eva, period. End of story <laughs> for everything. Um, so there's a lot of Tim Hortons. Anyway, Saskatchewan is also home to a large portion of the First Nations community. So for just for reference, in 2016, the population of Saskatchewan was 1,070,560 and of those... 
114,570 were of First Nations identities, and I don't expect any of you, including M or me, to do the math uh, in our heads. So I will tell you that is 10.7% of the population. Wow. Um, okay. First, identified as First Nations. So on November 24th, 1990, Neil Stonechild, a Salto First Nations 17-year-old, was hanging out with his friend Jason Roy playing cards and drinking heavily. They were at their friend Julie Binning's house party uh, on the west side of Saskatoon. So Neil and Jason had a 40 of vodka, and they had drunk most of it between the two of them. And around 11.30 p.m., they parted ways. And the following morning, Neil was reported missing. A whole five days later, November 29th, 1990, a group of workers found Neil's body in the undeveloped industrial block on the outskirts of Saskatoon. So he Hmm. was way out in like the industrial outskirts um, and they found his body. So Sergeant Keith Jarvis, who becomes like a main character in the story, uh, he was part of the mortality unit assigned to investigate. And uh, it turns out Neil's body had frozen in the, it was negative 28 degrees Celsius, which again, don't expect anyone to have this calculator in your head. Thank you. Uh, Negative 18.4 degrees Fahrenheit. So still fucking cold. Got it. Fucking cold. Um, He was lying face down wearing only jeans, a light letterman jacket from his brother and just one shoe. Hmm. So, and he had frozen to death. Despite there being visible injuries to his body, Sergeant Jarvis concluded that this was just another case of a kid going out, getting drunk, and going for a walk where he froze to death. Okay. So Neil's funeral was held on December 3rd, 1990 at Westwood Funeral Chapel where his friends uh, saw the body and observed two parallel cuts on the bridge of Neil's nose. Oh, okay. Um, Stonechild's family immediately suspected foul play. And so they began to question why Sergeant Jarvis had quickly closed the case within like four days of finding the body. Okay. Um, because they were like, you listed the death as hypothermia or cause of death as hypothermia, but like there are cuts on his face. Right. It just doesn't add up. Like where, where are they coming from? Yeah. So Sergeant Jarvis said, quote, it is felt that unless something concrete by way of evidence to the contrary is obtained, the deceased died from exposure and froze to death. There is nothing to indicate why he was in the area other than the possibilities he was going to turn himself into the correctional center or was attempting to follow the tracks back to Sutherland group home or simply wandered around drunk until he passed out from the cold and alcohol and froze. So to clarify, apparently Neil was quote at large from an open custody youth group home called the Picard home um, for alcohol abuse. That's he was staying there and he had been granted a temporary absence that month, but he didn't return on time to the Uh. group home. So he was, quote, at large uh, in a technical sense. Sure. So according to Miss Patricia Picard, who ran the home, Neil had called her the day he went missing at 730. And she was like, you need to come back. Like she was trying to urge him to come back to the to the home. Um, And he told her he told Miss Picard that he had promised his mother he would turn himself in at the end of the weekend. Uh, so he, I guess, wanted to stay at the house party. Right. The end of the I'll, be, I'll be there. I'll be there Sunday. Don't worry. <laughs> I do like pretty hungover. I do like that. He literally called her, though. Like she did. Like he yeah. called her to let her know I'll be back, but not yet. He's like, uh, I appreciate that you're trying to set a standard for me, but <laughs> I'm not going to listen to you. <laughs> I got this 40 from my older brother. And yeah, I'm not leaving plans. until it's done. <laughs> until it's handled. <laughs> so she explained this to police. And when Sergeant Jarvis heard this, 
he decided, okay, well, that's what he was doing. He was out in this random industrial area on the edge of town on his way to the Picard home, even though that was not where, even though A, that was not where the home was, and B, he had just told this woman he wasn't coming back until the end of the weekend. Right. So then the woman was like, no, 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 no. That's, she categorically denied this, said like he would not then, not now, not ever have just wandered into the you know, dark to come back to the to the group home, especially in like the wrong direction. Right. So then Neil's brother, Chris, went to the police um, after the investigation had already concluded and he wanted to request Neil's belongings. So his little brother's belongings. Um, the Saskatoon police told him they couldn't find them. Just, uh, <laughs> they just were just like just gone. either they didn't bring them back from the crime scene or they just lost them. In or their just trash them. Right. And they're not going to look. Okay. They're it. just not even, not even a lost and found. Um, and like, remember that he had given his brother this letterman's jacket. So right. like, it was literally a gift from him to his brother, or I don't know if it's a loan or a gift or whatever, but he didn't get his jacket back. He didn't get any, his family didn't get any of his possessions back. Um, so there are like a lot of flaws, not shockingly, in Jarvis's report. Um, for example, it does not address why uh, Neil was missing a shoe. Hmm. which was part of the issue. Um, it doesn't address how he could have walked nine kilometers to an industrial area in a snowstorm. Uh, Without also, one of his shoes. With, well, you're right. Exactly. One did of they ever find gone. his other shoes? Well, I guess we don't know because no. they don't know where his belongings are. But like, did this happen to be near a hill area? Like, could he have fallen and lost the shoe? Potentially. I think we don't really ever find out exactly why the shoe, like specifically oh. why the shoe or where it went missing. Okay. Um, oh, well. It, I mean, it's probably likely that it got just, yeah, lost somewhere or fell off or who knows. But right. yeah, I think even if the police did have it, they were not going to bring give it back. Um, and it also didn't address how he had gotten those cuts on his nose. So, which, by the way, remember, his family and friends noticed at the funeral. It wasn't like they were told this information. It was like, what is that? Right, on his they face? saw it like the day he was going into the yeah. ground or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And they like it hadn't even been addressed in the report. So um, the investigation was closed prior to receiving the coroner's report, prior to the toxicology report, and prior to completing interviews with witnesses. So like it just was closed right away. They didn't even wait for all the information. They didn't even wait for the coroner's report to come back. None of it. Just wildly like irresponsible. Exactly. Uh, work here all around. Yeah. Ex exactly. So something obviously was not right, but the case was deemed an accident and it was just clo case closed. Uh, move on. So on March 4th, 1991, star Phoenix journalist Terry Craig reported that Neil Stonechild's mother, Stella Bignell, and his sister disagreed with Jarvis's report and suspected foul play. But again, nothing was done. And now we basically fast forward to a decade later. So now it's around 2000. Uh, it's been 10 years and this cold case is basically like a distant memory in the town at this point. Okay. Then three cases were picked up by reporters. On January 29th, 2000, the body of Rodney Nastus, a 25-year-old First Nations man, was discovered in a field near the Queen Elizabeth Power Station, which is like way out where nobody was known to walk around. It was just like way out um, of town. Less than a week later, on February 3rd, 2030, year old First Nations man Loris Wegner's frozen body was discovered in the same spot. So, like, by the power plant, right. again, where nobody was known to walk. So, very odd. And then uh, one other man was found who had survived 
this a night a similar night to tell his tale so 33 year old okay i know also it was this another person in the first nations yes okay so they're all first nations yes okay so it's feeling a little racist so far do you get a pattern (laughs) okay i see i mean i it felt a little racist just in the original story and now i see and now it's becoming a pattern right exactly okay it's just quickly reporters got these three cases and then went hold on like Uh uh-huh Something way bigger is happening here. Something smells off. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So 33-year-old First Nations man Daryl Knight reported that he had been dumped in a field near the Queen Elizabeth Power Station in the middle of a dangerously cold night by police officers. Okay. Well, I'm okay. (laughs) The end. That's all we needed to hear. So so let me take a whack at this. So... (laughs) <laughs> is this probably what happened to all of them and why the cops literally just said like oh he froze to death and like refused to look into any information refused to fill out autopsy reports refused to do anything because they were the ones responsible ding 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 excellent yeah. wow yeah. kill surprise kill surprise um and remember like 10 percent of this population is first nations so it's like it's <sighs> wow it's just shocking anyway um So Daryl Knight, he's 33, he says he was dumped in a field near the power station, which is where the other two bodies had been found, in the middle of the night by police officers. Thank God he was able to hail a taxi um, and was able to get out of the weather before he succumbed to the elements. So does he, I'm sure you're going to get into this, but does he remember what happened beforehand and how he got dumped there? Or like... Yeah, so... Okay. Yeah, so it ends up being a pattern of like why this was happening to specific people. And let me also take a shot in the dark that every single one of these cops was white <laughs> uh, yeah okay well yeah i mean, I, mean you I didn't nailed, need you to add it i didn't need to i just wanted the confirmation here okay no you nailed it you Great. nailed it um yeah it's quickly becoming a very obvious pattern um, i see so as recalled by dan zakreski a reporter who was covering these stories for the star phoenix at the time uh he was interviewed on an episode of criminal which is a really great podcast that just does like amazing research and interviews um and it's hosted by uh, phoebe judge so dan zakreski is interviewed and he says to phoebe quote that particular month it was the post-christmas newsroom doldrums i was assigned to look at one of these freezing deaths there was a body found out by the city landfill which is in the southwest section of the city I was assigned to put together a best practices story of don't get drunk and try to walk home and develop a little bit of a feature on the individual who was frozen. So I began to do my research. Find out the individual's name turned out to be Lawrence Wagner, a social work student here in town. Then my city editor had gotten an improbable tip. City police had been dropping people outside of town. First Nations people. So he begins to investigate this further because he's going, I was just supposed to write a feature on this person who died and write kind of a little story to be like, hey, be careful when you're out drinking, you can die. And he's like, "Okay, now we're getting all these really weird reports that this is happening to multiple people and it's not an accident. Right. So he starts uh, investigating and he interviews a First Nations man who responds with, oh, well, that's just a starlight tour. So what? I know. So according to Zakreski, he had heard versions of this in the past. But so this is what Zakreski explained of a starlight tour. Police would pick up a person who was intoxicated and they don't want to take them into the station because it involves a lot of paperwork. So they think instead of taking you in and charging you, we'll take you somewhere and you can walk it off. So what they would do is they would go about this starlight tour. The police would, by targeting a First Nations or Aboriginal man who was out drinking that night, coax them into the police car in the 
in the with the idea that like police were going to drop you off at a drunk tank to sober right. up or take you obviously indoors. Um, however, what they would do is they would drive you to the outskirts of Saskatoon, kick you out of the car, and basically be like, find your own way home. <gasps> and like again, it's like negative eighteen Fahrenheit, twenty eight Celsius, negative twenty eight Celsius. Like it's free. I mean, within minutes, especially if you're really intoxicated, like frostbite can kick in within minutes and is, you can die. Is there a crime? Is there a name? How do I phrase this? Is there such a thing as intentional negligence? Because it sounds I think like so. Yeah, it sounds like they're oxymorons, but it also sounds like this is that's exactly what's happening. Like, yeah, we're taking you further away to make sure that like you are more likely to be in trouble. Yeah, because especially, I mean, especially if you are in a position of like helping somebody, you know what I mean. I mean, I don't want to say any words about as far as like manslaughter that kind of thing because I don't intentional. I don't right. know the specific legal terms, but yeah, there's def. It's definitely a a crime to be like. Well, it sounds oh, like here. it sounds like negligence of like, oh, we're like gonna let you stay out here in the freezing cold when like we know yeah. we could help you. But it sounds even more intentional. It's like let's bring you even further away than you already were from home so it's even harder for you to you know get get help exactly at that point it's intentional whether you say like no we didn't mean to like uh uh-huh what were you doing out there yeah outskirts of town yeah well and then um what the guy who survived um daryl knight he basically said that he was like i'm gonna freeze to death and they were like that's not our problem so (laughs) in fact we're making it your problem whether or not it was yours to begin with exactly like we created it so i mean it's really horrific um definitely crime so critical race scholar shereen razak commented that there is a popular term for this practice is testimony to the fact that it happened more than once. The practice of dropping off is a lethal one when the temperature is negative 28 Celsius and if the long walk back to town is undertaken without proper clothing and shoes. So it it's it's horrific. I mean, it's a lethal thing, right? If you're not if this guy's not have doesn't have a shoe on, doesn't have a barely a coat and you're dumping him on the side of town like that's definitely I, intentional. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you're killing him, but you're certainly making it easier yeah yeah you're not you know you're not safe you're not helping him you're, you're not, not yeah you're preventing sure. his death you're not doing a good thing <laughs> no 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 <laughs> let's just leave it at that also so you know what there... I, I sorry i realized where yeah. i know the phrase starlight tours from where because that's i was thinking star child starlight tours that's literally one of the names of like the big tour company out that's here. exactly right that's on the For, buses like, the hollywood like starlight like, tours is the is on the buses you're right where they drive you to all the celebrities houses and stuff which, and by the way, is, I, I'm not convinced those are actually the celebrities' houses. I think they just drive you through the neighborhoods and they're like, oh, and that's a celebrity. That's a celebrity. I, yeah. It's same. Like, <laughs> oh, don't worry. But yeah, that's how I know it. No, 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 no. We it's drive Star past Line. It's Starline. Starline. Okay. That's lots I of went, I, I just Googled it because I was like, there's no way they would fucking name it after That's much less offensive. A it's literal just, Starlight tour. Yeah. They just sound similar. But I was like, I feel like I know that. And yeah, we drive by those buses all the time. Yes, yeah, Starline tours, Hollywood celebrity homes tours. Yeah, Star, and I think that's why, especially like living in LA for so long, when people kept saying, "Oh, the Starlight tours murders," I was like, "Starline tours." Yeah, yeah. it sounds like a tour bus. Um, I, that I, for a second I was like, "There's, there's no way that that's the same name." But okay, they're just similar. It's really similar, and the fact that I think it says tour is misleading yeah. to us anyway. So yeah. I felt pretty dumb when I learned this because I went, "Oh shit!" Like. You know, people have been suggesting this and I had no clue what it was. So I, you know, so of course, uh, most white locals claim to not know about this practice. Um, Obviously, we don't know how true that is uh, because Starlight Tours were very well known among the First Nations community who, again, made up more than 10% of the population. Right. So 
I mean, obviously they were the targets of it and it was obviously known to police because they were facilitating it. So how likely it is that the, you know, locals who were white knew or didn't know is unclear. However, they denied knowing about it. Most of them did anyway. Sure. Um, so not surprising. Uh, so once the story was broken, the phone, once the story broke, basically the phone lines lit up from people in the first nations community calling, uh, not just in Saskatoon, but all throughout Saskatchewan. Oh, wow. And- yeah, they were saying, quote, this happens all the time, but no one ever believed us. <gasps> we were being taken out by representatives of the state. Who was going to believe us? White reporters weren't going to believe us. Oh, my god! So it's just like this fucking horrible practice that's been happening. And they're like, yeah, hello. Like, I yeah. And I mean, like, wow, talk about privilege. I've literally never yeah. heard of this. And I'm sure it's, this is something that they all know about or have at least heard through the grapevine. Hopefully this isn't still fucking happening. Well, I mean, this was in 2000. It's not that long ago. So great. You know. Well, now I feel like an asshole. Okay. I well, know. it's, okay. it's anyway, it's very sobering. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's just very sobering. Um, so the reaction to the Daryl Knight case was immediate. So Saskatoon streets filled with protesters, including a march of 400 people alongside Lawrence Wegner's body. I'm um, sorry, Lawrence Wegner's family, um, whose body had been found by the uh, power plant. And they marched uh, to police headquarters uh, Amnesty International and a host of other groups demanded action. And then uh, Chief Lawrence Joseph, who is a, for- a vocal former Federation of Saskatchewan Indian Nations chief um, and the then vice chief in charge of the justice portfolio, met with First Nations chiefs in February on February 19th of 2000, who were angry and hurt. They met the, uh, chiefs from across the province. Um, And Chief Joseph tried in vain to set up meetings with Saskatoon's police chief and provincial and federal officials. And in every speech, news conference and public appearance, Chief Joseph demanded answers and said there was pain, but something was born out of that pain. He declared police cannot and should not be trusted by First Nations people and marginalized people. And when he finally met with a senior Justice Department official, he says the man alternately insisted on calling him Lawrence or asshole rather than Chief Joseph, which was his (laughs) title. Okay. Like, I mean, Chief Joseph, Joseph was like the um, the First Nations like leader of the group. So basically, the police are saying like, "Oh shit, oh, we're just gonna call you Lawrence instead of like Chief Joseph," which is like his. I title. see. Wow, completely different than what was going on in my head. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So Chief Joseph was saying like, "You can't trust police." Like, I'm meeting with chiefs from across the province. We're demanding answers. He couldn't get a meeting with Saskatoon police. Um, he finally met with a senior justice department official and the guy just continued to call him Lawrence, even though he's like, my name is chief Joseph and that's my title and you're fucking disrespecting me. And Sorry, me the thing asshole. I was laughing at is I thought in my head they were reversed where the chief was calling the police assholes. Oh, no, no, no. Which is what's I, happening in my head here. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Yes. No, no, no. Wow. Chief Joseph that was sounded like, the- like I was laughing at the completely <laughs> wrong thing. It I mean, was- I knew you were. I just wanted to like clarify so people weren't. You thank know, you. Thank like- you. No, no, no. I thought it was the chiefs being like, let's just call the police assholes. And I was like, let's. Sure. No, no, no. I mean, I think that. Yeah. yeah at least in no, the no. story. But. That sorry, if it sounded offensive, let's all remember that that was just my brain deciding to invert a complete uh, situation. Yeah, I mean it's confusing. It's, there's a lot that I just kind of dumped on you, but no, no, no. Just um, my brain being um, um, my brain. 
So just to clarify for everybody, Chief Lawrence Joseph was a vocal former Federation of Saskatchewan Indian Nations chief and the then vice chief in charge of the justice portfolio. So he's the one who met with other First Nations chiefs who across the province. I think because I heard chief and I know that that's like sometimes a name that you like say in a police police chief. So my bad. I I totally knew what was going on. I just wanted to be like, just. uh, Hey, I'm not laughing because I'm an asshole. No, no, Yeah, yeah, no. Um, yeah, so just to be clear, yeah, that happened. Um, and so he obviously was not taken seriously. Right. And then Chief Joseph's home was also pelted with eggs and paintball pellets on four occasions. Um, and on two other occasions, explosives were set off in his mailbox. Uh, <gasps> really? And he received multiple death threats. So it's just horrific. I feel oh, like uh, I've never actually heard of that happening in real life. So that just sounds kind of like, like out of a movie. What? Like explode, like putting explosives. Oh, mailbox explosives. Never. Oh, I think act- that's a real thing. I'm sure it's a real thing. I've just, I've. It's shocking that that is actually something someone would choose to do. Yeah, I think that happened back in the 2000s. Like in was that in DC? I don't remember. There was like a whole I remember, mailbox bomb thing. Oh, I remember the anthrax thing in mailbox. Well, that also was a thing. Yeah. Jesus. Speaking okay. of mail, de- de- death by mail. I guess. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh. So. With the story obviously exploding, reporters began wondering how far back this practice went. And then they remembered the story of a teenager who was found on November 29th, 1990. So back full circle to Neil Stone Child, who had died a decade previously. Right. And his case had just been kind of dismissed. Excuse me. So on February 22nd, 2000, the Star Phoenix put Neil Stonechild on the front cover of their newspaper and wrote an article connecting Daryl Knight's, the survivor's allegations, with Neil Stonechild's death a decade earlier. So this survivor tale of Daryl Knight made it more clear that this had been happening. Like he was like, no, I will tell you firsthand what happened. It wasn't, you know, they had a survivor's account, basically. Right. So, uh, more than a decade after Neil Stonechild's death and because of the reported death of two other men and the survivor story, Neil's case was reopened finally. So meanwhile, a fully white jury found constables Dan Hatchin and Ken Munson guilty of the unlawful confinement of Daryl Knight and sentenced them to eight months in jail. And from what I heard, it was just eight months in very low profile jail, like, you know, nothing, sure. nothing too severe of a punishment, okay. uh, I would say. And it was decided in February 2003 that in September there would be an official inquiry into the death of Neil Stonechild headed by Justice David Wright. So what seems like an incredibly like step, an incredible step forward in like finally, you know, getting justice for Neil was pushed backwards when it was revealed that in 1998, uh, Neil Stonechild's uh, file, the file that contained information about on his death had been destroyed by police, um, during a routine purge of okay. old files. Okay, sure. Great. <sighs> but we have a hero of the story. We do? Who is yeah. it? A werewolf? His name's, his name's Ernie. <laughs> oh, okay. So Ernie was one of the constables on the Saskatoon police force. In 1990, um, he's a First Nations man. So uh, there were three First Nations police officers at the time, including himself, um, out of about 350 officers. So, again, this is just not great representation, you know. Right. Three people like out bar- of 350. Bar- barely are, a fraction of, of yeah. the force. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. When, like, 10% of the population is is First Nations. Right. 
So he thinks, uh, from what he can remember, that there were about 10 to 15 women on the force, one Asian Canadian and one African Canadian, and everyone else was white, except for obviously then him and two other of the First Nations officers. Um, So speaking of Phoebe Judge on the criminal podcast, he said that as a First Nations officer, the death of Neil Stonechild and how the case was closed so quickly had like been on his mind. Um, so much so that he had decided he wanted to make a copy of Neil Stonechild's case so that he could take it home mm. and read into it. So he did this kind of sneakily, like he didn't want to be like, look, I'm making <laughs> photocopies of this case. It wasn't illegal, but it was definitely sneaky. He had some people make um, a copy for him of the case. And he even went at the time to Neil's mother, Stella, um, which, by the way, investigators had not gone to Neil's mother to talk to her about this, like. So he was the only one to interview her as part of the case. So he went to talk to her. Uh, He listened to her and her concerns about why she thought it was foul play. And he left saying, if this were a white kid or the son of the mayor, I'm sure this case wouldn't be closed. Right. He then went to speak to Sergeant Keith Jarvis to be basically like, hey, there's some misgivings here that I'm having about this case. Like it was closed really quickly. Neil's mother thinks there might have been foul play. I think we should look into this. And basically, at least in the interview and the podcast episode, he was like nothing good. Like that mean nothing good came of that meeting. Basically, he was shunned. He was like, "Uh, you have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, Stop meddling. And he said, there was no thanks for bringing this information and nothing. And then Jarvis threatened Ernie, saying things could, quote, happen to him if he continued with this. Holy and shit. he he basically said, like, that was so vague, it could have meant anything from, like, he would have been sidelined to a desk position or, you know, something worse. There was no way to know what right. threat what the threat meant, um, except that he was basically being, like, silenced. Uh, so anyway, we're back to 2003, and we find out as this case is being reopened that police have have mysteriously purged the files, and they're missing. Right. And everyone's like frustrated, and is like, "Well, now what do we do?" And Ernie is just happening to clean out boxes in his house, and he opens one that he hasn't opened in years, and on the top is literally Neil Stonechild's report. And he's like, "Oh my god, I had forgotten I made a copy of this like oh 13 years or 12 years earlier." So he happened to find this report like, while this case was going on. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So thank God, because he had said, like, I didn't even really remember. It didn't even occur to me that I had made my own copy at the time. So he found this report, thank God, handed it in to be used for the investigation. And for the inquiry itself, there were 43 days of testimony. 63 people testified, including Ernie. And uh, because the police force hadn't had, obviously, like, car cameras or body cams or GPS at the time, it Mm -hmm. was, like, really hard to prove any objective facts. Um, It was, again, in the early 90s also. So the whole team had to interview and re-interview all the witnesses. Um, It it was now 13 years later. So they had to, like, re-interview everybody to make sure this was, like, still fresh information. Um, And obviously they hadn't really done much in the initial investigation. So now they had to do a lot more legwork. Um, So one of the most uh, surprising things, or just at least like shocking things to come out of this um, case was that was the statement by Jason Roy, who was the, the kid that um, Neil was hanging out with who drinking the fort, the vodka with that night. So he testified 13 years later and he said he had, um, his name is Jason Roy. He said he had phoned the Saskatoon police at 6.52 p.m. on November 30th, 1990, and had spoken to Sergeant Jarvis in the mortality section. 
and said he was originally reluctant to give a statement to the police uh, because he was still subject to breach of probation and was concerned that he'd be arrested. Um, And so he basically arranged with Sergeant Jarvis to provide a statement on condition that he not be arrested. So this is what Roy's statement said. Okay. He described how after leaving the house party around 1130, Neil Stonechild convinced Roy to join him in going to see his friend Lucille, who was babysitting a few blocks away. They trudged drunkenly to the Snowberry Downs apartment complex, where they caused a disturbance by not knowing which suite Lucille was at. So they buzzed a lot of the different buzzers to try and find her. So somebody had called the police to be like, somebody's walking around buzzing all the apartments and disturbing the peace, basically, um, in the middle of the night. So that's how the police ended up there. I see. So the boys, I guess, argued, and uh, Jason Roy left Neil and headed back, and he he said he thinks he stopped to warm up at a 7-Eleven, from what he remembers. Okay. As he walked south on Confederation Drive, he says a police car emerged from an alley in front of him and stopped. Roy says Stonechild was in the back seat. His hands were cuffed. Sorry. His hands were cuffed behind his back. There was blood on his face. <gasps> and he was calling Roy by the name of Jay, presumably to like even even under this horrible situation to keep Roy's identity safe. He was calling oh. his friend by another name to be like jay so he called him jay instead of jason roy uh-huh. he said jay help me help me these guys are going to kill me so and he's in the back Holy of a police shit. car oh my gosh okay so the driver this is just really uh the driver asked him if he knew the youth in the back roy says and he says he denied knowing him denied knowing probably Neil keep because his identity safe or yeah because he said he feared he'd be arrested too exactly yeah. So when asked his name, he gave the name and birthday of his cousin, uh, Tracy Horse, who he knew had no criminal record. Right. So that when they ran the name, he wasn't listed, you know, as That's breaking genius. probation. Genius. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the poor Tracy is like, wait a second. <laughs> She's like, I live in like, I live not even here. I don't even live here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in bed watching Netflix. <laughs> So they checked the name, allowed him to go, and as the police drove away, Neil seemed afraid and yelled, "They're gonna kill me!" And that was the last time that he had that Roy had seen his friend. And then the friends just like went home, like just walked home, or yeah, he he was like really drunk. He said he just saw he saw this happen, then wow. went home, and then the next day Neil was missing. Um, Imagine so- the guilt, though. Like, it must be really scary, yeah, to be like, wait, like I your remember last, seeing him. Your last memory is your friend of your friend is him saying they're going to kill me and then denying that you know him yeah Yeah, exactly it must be a scary scary thought um and it was like a survival thing you know sure he was like i don't want to put myself in that position so um obviously this is like pivotal testimony it revealed so much about like what actually happened that night um and when rereading his handwritten statement that had been recovered by ernie uh, Roy said in 2003 that it was incomplete because it didn't include reference to Stonechild in the back of the police car. Um, he said he had written in an untruthful statement because he feared he couldn't tell the truth in a place where he did not feel safe, a.k.a. the police station. Um, he says in his 2003 statement, I lied for my life because I thought whoever had done this would be coming for me. Sure. So he was scared to even admit like, oh, I saw the police do this because, again, no one's believing them. Um, right. Yeah. And he could be targeted next. So after a more thorough inquiry, um, uh, the police investigation was brought back by Ernie. And okay, here's a quote. It was considered superficial and totally inadequate and found that Sergeant Jarvis 
closed the investigation prematurely. And Ernie said Jarvis was not prepared to pursue the investigation because he was either aware of police involvement or suspected police involvement. The deficiencies in the investigation go beyond incompetence or neglect. They were inexcusable. So this is Ernie testifying against the police force that he was on. Right. Um, So the key findings included that the two officers, Larry Hartwig and Bradley Singer, were dispatched to a disturbance involving Neil Stonechild at 11.51 p.m. on November 25th, 1990. They took him into custody. He died of cold exposure in the early morning hours of November 25th. There were injuries on his body that were most likely caused by handcuffs. Um, And that Sergeant Jarvis was aware of the suspicions but closed the file less than three days after Neil's death uh, without answering many questions. He dismissed important information about Stonechild's death that was provided to him by two other members of the force. Because remember, Ernie was like, hey, I have some information. And he was like, get out of here. And then in the years that followed, senior officers also rejected or ignored reports from Stonechild's family, which pointed to the inadequate investigation, which just must be the most frustrating thing to be like the family and saying, like, can you please look into this? You're supposed to be protecting us and like solving these things. And instead you're causing them. Um, so the justice also had eight recommendations um, for the government and the police he said the justice minister should undertake a thorough review of the Saskatchewan Coroners Act Um, the province should establish an introductory program uh, through the police college for aboriginal and other minority police candidates Uh, there should be an advisory board to uh, encourage First Nations people to get involved in policing. The Justice Minister minister should review uh, procedures about police conduct. A pamphlet. Maybe a few. Maybe a few. (laughs) Depending on how long they are. One of those uh, theme park stretch pamphlets. Yep. Um, Outlining the procedures should be placed in each police station interview and waiting room. Uh, Police departments in larger cities should designate an Aboriginal officer to act as a liaison for First Nations people on their behalf. Um, Each municipal police force should provide the justice minister with an annual uh, report of complaints. Right. And uh, police should receive in-depth training in race relations with refresher courses every three years. And a review should be undertaken of the courses that police candidates take in anger management and dispute resolution. So that was all given by Justice David Wright. However, uh, Michelle Stewart, who uh, writes for the Vancouver Sun, noted in an article in 2019 that they didn't these although these were, you know, based on uh, race relations, they didn't address systemic race racism, which obviously nowadays is a very big conversation that we're having in the United States as well. Um, As far as like diversity training, quote Mm -hmm. unquote, is not enough. Right. Um, so Neil's mother, Stella, said she felt vindicated because she never believed the police's version of events, um, saying they didn't want to deal with his death. All they told me is was that it was an accident that he went out there by himself, probably. But in the bottom of my heart, I knew he didn't. Wow. So in May of 2004, Saskatoon police admitted that the 1990 investigation was inadequate and that mistakes had been made. And the former police chief, whose name was Russell Sabo, apologized to Stella, Neil's mother, and held a conference where he said that it was quite conceivable there were other times that this happened. So he's basically admitting it was possible that this was a pattern that Uh had happened before. He then went on to reference a 1976 case where officers had been disciplined for driving a native woman to the outskirts of town and abandoning her there. 
So he's like, I guess it's conceivable that it happened yeah. like in this one time when it like literally happened. I didn't like the phrasing it's conceivable, conceivable. when like also you alone just now have made it clear that this has happened more yeah. than once. Man, it's happened many times. And also, it, like exactly. you said earlier, a lot of people, at least from the First Nations community, have all said like, yeah, like, are you new here? Like, of course this yeah. is happening. We've been saying this forever and no one believed us. So exactly. if everyone was saying like, this is happening, this is happening. And someone goes, it's conceivable. It's like, fuck yeah, I guess. off. Like, no, you're right. It's like the bare minimum. It's like what yeah. you were saying earlier. Like, okay, we've got the bare minimum. Now what? Like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's like, okay, thanks, I guess. But also what's next? Um, yeah. So it's a little frustrating. Um, on no, October 26th of 2004, Justice Wright released the final report of the Stonechild inquiry um, that find that found that Stonechild was in the custody of Sanger and Hartwig on the night that he died. So Sanger and Hartwig were suspended with pay, by the way, suspended with pay um, and were then fired in November of 2004. So again, it's like a slap on the wrist, t- wrist type of thing. Yeah. Um, interestingly and demonstrative of Chief Russell's, so this same guy who was basically saying it's conceivable. Um, so this police chief, uh, he also, uh, reported how, oh, sorry, the, a columnist for the times reported how during, uh, like a morning briefing, um, police chief Sabo, who was asked by a member in front of about 20 officers, if he honestly believes in his mind that those two officers were responsible for Stonechild's death. He said, quote, my honest belief is that they did not do it. Oh, okay. A second veteran officer who remains anonymous backs him up saying, it's all political. These guys are just the sacrificial lambs. So basically they're fucking saying like, I don't really think they did it, but like we needed to pin this on someone to make everybody happy. It's just, fucking infuriating okay well which is why that language like conceivable is like it's it's like i mean also like like conceivable also going back to just the it's conceivable part it's not even the bare minimum because you're not even admitting you're still you're still saying it could not have happened you're right you're You're still denying it like yeah you're leaving chance for like oh uh or we could be in totally innocent. Like, yeah, exactly. And then this part of like, oh, it's just, it's all political. Like, it's all politics. Like, no, off. this is a child's death. It's, yeah. I hate when people, accu- when, even when people accuse us of being political, it's like, there's a certain point where this isn't fucking politics. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Pisses me off. Okay. So despite this comment, things did start to change in Saskatoon. Thankfully, the mayor was defeated in his run for reelection by a former officer who had broken ranks and spoke out at the inquiry. Um, so that was great. So he had like yeah. spoken up um, and, tes- and testified and he became mayor. Um, police chief. Great. Russell's- that's a, I know, it's that's like, a mayor like, I want. Great. Take like learn from this kids. If yeah. you speak out against corruption, maybe you'll be mayor. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Listen, Jerry Springer was mayor of Cincinnati. If he could do it, you could do it. Uh, that's I bet he motto. was a great mayor too. Very He actually was a pretty good mayor. There you go. <laughs> um I guess probably the bar is not too high nowadays for political figures, but you know, <laughs> go figure. So uh he so police chief Russell Sabo, who the conceivable guy, Mr. Conceivable, was fired. And for the first time, a First Nations woman was appointed to head the city police commission. <gasps> so that oh, was big. Okay. Um GPS tracking systems are now standard in all cruisers and were instated after the report. Uh, 
So new chief of police Clive Weighill commented, if somebody were to accuse us of taking them out of the city, I can go back three, four, five years. I can tell you where car 234 was at two in the morning on January 25th. I can tell you where that car went, how fast it was driving and where it stopped. So it's just adding a layer of like accountability. Yeah. Um, so they have like an audio video system in front of the cruiser and then they have an interior one that when the back door is open to put somebody inside, it automatically starts recording. So that's good. Nice. Um, and they have no control. Like police can't turn them off. And it also, I mean, it protects the public, but it also the police thems- officers themselves are supportive of this because if there are false allegations made, it just clears up any sort of false hood on either side so if someone's saying you know oh they did this to me like they can say well here's the video proof right i didn't do that right as if you're if you're doing a good job i guess as you're as an officer then Uh you like it then you're yeah Yeah, being held accountable and that's fine by you but um so Wagill and others in the saskatoon police have also been working to keep lines of communication open with aboriginal leaders um apparently the number of aboriginal police officers has nearly doubled since the inquiry uh So in 2014, according to the Star Phoenix, there were 52 uh, current Aboriginal city police officers, which uh, was a huge increase from the 30 who were there um, 12 years earlier. So uh, increasing numbers of representation, Um, again, not necessarily enough, pretty bare minimum stuff in a lot of ways. Um, So this is pretty wild, speaking of. According to CBC, uh, in 2016, a university student named Addison Herman, who grew up in Saskatoon, was working on a project about police brutality. uh, And he uncovered that someone had been deleting the section on Starlight Tours from the Saskatoon Police Services Wikipedia page. Oh, And he was like, someone's deleting this section. Um, So he said, quote, I noticed there was no section on the Starlight Tours. So I looked in the article history and there was an IP address. That took it off the page. Is it the fucking police department? (laughs) Shut up. I looked at the info for the registration on the IP address, and the IP address is registered to Saskatoon Police Service, which means that a computer from their office went on Wikipedia and took it off. You would think they'd at least try to be, like, slicker than that. Exactly. It's like, speaking of accountability, like, really... You think that's, no one's watching and you go do that? That's gross. Oh, so remember earlier when I was saying intentional negligence? That's just yeah. intentional, intentional. That's just, yes, exactly. It's yeah. like, we're just going to like fucking erase this. It's like, we just want to cover this up. We don't want you to see it. And on the Wikipedia page, which I just went and checked, it was like. Is it there now? Or? Police, it's, it literally says police are, or the, you know, the Saskatoon police force has deleted this section before. So Good. it's like now in, they made it worse by like deleting it because now it's public knowledge that they tried to delete it. Over it certainly over is again. now with this podcast. It so. is. <laughs> exactly. And it's still on their Wikipedia. So good luck. Uh, in June 2020, The Guardian reported how uh, this is another just like so that was obviously it's coming from inside the house. It's coming from inside the police station. Right. Bad. Then in June 2020, The Guardian also reported that Canadian police had tackled and punched a prominent First Nations chief named Chief Alan Adam of Fort Chippewan First Nation and had harassed his family in a parking lot in Alberta. So this was literally a few months ago during the you know the heat of, of police brutality conversations lighting back up. Sure. And that was when um, The Guardian reported that Canadian police had like literally attacked and punched a First Nations chief. So again, this stuff is just to point out that it's it didn't go away. Like it's not like smile in rainbows. Like it's all oh better, gosh. obviously. Um, so if you want to find out more, there are two books you can read. Um, Ernie wrote a book called The Unexpected Cop, 
And uh, there's a book by Suzanne Reber and Rob Renault called Starlight Tours, The Last Lonely Night of Neil Stonechild. And then the criminal episode is also very, very well done. So that is the story of the Starlight Tours, not wow. the Starline Tours yeah. of Hollywood. Not very to be different. confused. Please don't sue us, Hollywood. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> also, wow, I still feel really, really, really bad about the my misunderstanding earlier of you not knowing which chief you were talking about. I like, feel oh, like no, no. such I an mean, asshole. But then I realized like later, you know, I was talking about chief sabo and like that was a white police chief so it, it, it was confusing because the terminology is the same i thought know? we were calling uh an like a corrupt cop a, an asshole right not, i mean we are not, now yeah not a like an indigenous chief i like yeah, do yeah, not yeah. want anyone to think i like, no no i feel so uh, no. bad i, I don't I, feel bad we i knew what you were i knew what you meant i know it my, was like as like a normal fine misunderstanding and like i'm i'm sure no one thinks i'm like actually like a complete jackass but that's gonna be something i cringe about at 3 a.m. for like no, the next eight don't. years um no don't I mean, anyway i'm sorry but if uh, we have to you can go back to cringing about calling me classy trash because i still <laughs> love that <laughs> well my what has there been so there was a was there a chief uh a police chief at all who was also a chief in the first nations because could they no. be like chief chief i oh i mean i don't know not in the story i don't know in general but it'd be not cool if story. you could call yourself a double chief like in i know in college there was uh a girl in all my classes who was a poli sci major and her last name was Justice and she wanted to become Justice Justice. Wait, that's actually pretty fucking dope. Isn't that yeah, great? So if there's a chief great. chief out there, let me know. Hit us up. Yeah. Uh, and I know there are. there's also some, you know, um, talk of like trying to remove terms like chief, which have been right. taken from, which are you know, appropriation. Things like, you know, I remember early in an early episode, we used the word powwow at some point, and that still haunts me as well because we got emails about that. Yep. So terms like that that are now like, obviously, I'm really trying to be more aware of that. But I know that chief is another term that was appropriated as well. So, you know, it's all just fucked up. Yep. So welcome to America and North well, America. as of this morning, things will be fingers crossed changing. So I mean, I'm let's, very it's excited. Least, yeah, it's a sliver of light. Let's let's listen let's in 2020. That. Like, at least we've got this. Yes, <laughs> at least us, we've got we one can thing. Take something. A win. We needed a win. A win. Yep. 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 I got a kitten, and we have a new president. So yeah, oh, so sweet. <laughs> well. Uh, Anyway, anyway, thank you guys so much. Uh, sorry, I know this is a longer episode than usual, but I think we both were just like ready to go with our stories. They were both yeah, really good. Yeah, and was so. like, it's Saturday morning. I'm tired. And I was like, let's talk for eight hours. <laughs> no, I like, I'm. it's one of those things where like I refuse to wake up super early usually, but like if I know I have to get up, I can, you know, oh, yeah. be on because my reward after this is a fat nap. So I'm like real excited to go a home. A what? A oh, nap. a nap. Oh, my God. Also, it's raining today in L.A. So, oh, like, what's that like? Well, it's perfect aesthetic for me to go home and take a fat nap. Oh, actually, perfect nap weather, yes. It's, I'm going to get all a little cozy, maybe, like, open, like, like the the side door and, like, like listen to the rain trickle while I fall asleep. Oh, it's going to be so fun. That's very calming. Well, it I hope you enjoy. Well, weighted I'm gonna blanket. Let, I'm going to let you actually go enjoy that nap instead of making you talk anymore. Um no. <laughs> i'll have you send me pictures of your your cat and all that well i'll probably keep harassing you we'll anyway. still be talking all right well thanks everybody for listening um you can probably see pictures of the cat or whatever on instagram um if you want moody and uh, juni it's gonna be so moody you really have created something for yourself there with i don't even know how that happened it's like literally they look like the exact opposites of each other yeah. and they rhyme so they're like the perfect evil twins 
My sister calls them June Shine and Moonaper, which makes me laugh. Okay, anyway. that's that's comedy gold. Wait a minute. I wait a minute. Okay. All right. Thanks everybody. And that's why we drink. Yay! Yay! All right. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions.